and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the Phantom. <laughs> no, you are not. The <laughs> <laughs> least romantic boyfriend ever. Yep, especially in the version we're watching, which is the 2004 movie adaptation of The Phantom of the Opera. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah. It's Phantom Week again. Yeah. I'm so excited. Because the Phantom of the Opera was one that really did surprise me with how much I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect by any stretch, but I am very excited to go back to that world and see it differently. Yeah. Now, this week's kind of cheating because I have actually seen that musical, mm-hmm. specifically this version. I have actually seen this version of the film. Yes, explain this story for us. I went to see it back in 2004 on release. How old were you? I would have been 14. It was the winter of G4. This on... film is a 15. How did you go and see this film? I must have looked old enough. I was a few months off 15. Yeah. This was like November time. And, you know, I was like six months off being 15. <laughs> I mean, I saw American Pie 3 when I was 13 at this cinema, Fair so... Enough. Your cinema obviously just did not care. This isn't a chain cinema, so I'm not going to, like, name and shame them. Nobody's IDing you, clearly. This is an independent cinema from where I am from. Mm-hmm. So you went to see it? I went with a friend and his girlfriend, so I was third wheeling. <laughs> Classic phantom storyline. I know, it makes a lot of sense, but I wasn't lusting after this girl. <laughs> You know, she wasn't my angel of music. Right. And because one of you wanted to see it or... I, I don't remember the circumstance. Like, I don't think, thinking back it was to just the on... three of us at the time, I don't think it was something that any one of us would traditionally have gone for. Mm-hmm. I think, I'll tell you what, I honestly think none of us knew it was a musical. <laughs> and I think... I can believe that. I think we were expecting horror. You know, like proper horror horror film yeah such is the way with the uh phantom of the opera yeah the, and, the like original yeah horror movie yeah being a misbehaving teen i broke my number one rule for cinema etiquette mm-hmm. i am very ashamed to admit that i don't say this as a badge of pride i don't say this with with any honor were you throwing things at the screen and shouting no we were just being loud we weren't we weren't having the best of times we were we mm-hmm. were being loud and obnoxious teens which you know in hindsight i'm sure we've all been at some point in a cinema screen we shouldn't do it because it is disrespectful i have worked in a cinema and i've had to have these conversations with rowdy people but mm. such is the way we weren't really feeling it at the end of the film a guy turns around to us and the way his his face is in the shadow, it looks like he's the phantom. He's got long hair. His face is kind of covered, half yeah. in a mask. He says, some of us are trying to watch the film. Which, I'm sorry, if you are listening to this podcast... Well, if it had and, been him, he'd have killed you. So. Yeah, the chandelier would have dropped. If you are listening to this podcast and you remember going to see Phantom of the Opera back in 2004 as a romantic date night and were, you know, disturbed by three teens, I apologise profusely. Mm-hmm. 2004 me... I'd been bullied quite heavily. You know, this is the first time I really felt like I'd had a group of friends from my school. Yeah. So I think I'd have... And they were good friends. Like, they weren't the sort of 
oh, you're so desperate for friends that you get in with a bad crowd. These were similar-minded friendship groups. Yeah, good people. And I was over the moon to be invited to the cinema with them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we saw Phantom. <laughs> what a choice. <laughs> what a choice. I think the next film we saw as a, as a kind of group with more people was The Village. So it's not like we got better with mm. our film choices. God. I think it culminated with Revenge of the Sith, which we actually enjoyed. Yeah. Because, like, I know the prequels are not considered great among some Star Wars fans, but... But they're it, enjoyable. Yeah, and Revenge of the Sith, I think, wraps everything together really neatly. Yeah. And we get the brilliant moment where Padme dies of a broken heart. Yeah, she dies of being a woman in a sci-fi movie, yeah. Yeah, I know. It is ridiculous, but... And this is the part of our podcast where people are like, he likes those. I'm never listening again. <laughs> I, <laughs> well... Coming from the guy that... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I'm not one to throw about what people like, but I have watched High School Musical 1 and 2 and continue to be unimpressed. You love Troy Bolton. How I you? do love Troy Bolton. <laughs> and, you know, I am going to say, shout out, we had a really lovely interaction after the launch of last week's episode on Instagram, which just made me smile mm-hmm. because uh, at mm-hmm. Esther Erka mm-hmm. reached out and said, just listen to the High School Musical 2 podcast. And I love High School Musical. When the first movie came out, I was 10. But I totally agree with Danny. I've actually been thinking about this for a long time. Troy's relationships and friendships are so toxic. Sharpay's motives and actions were not the best, but she isn't the antagonist in High School Musical 2. I'd argue the antagonists are Chad and Vanessa. Mm-hmm. I assume by Vanessa she means, means Gabriella. Gabriella, yeah. So, you know, yeah. I'm not alone in my thoughts. Cool. Well, Phantom Week. I know this is done by Joel Schumacher. Yes, indeed. Who unfortunately died towards the tail end of 2020. Mm-hmm. Joel Schumacher, I think, will forever be famous. Not for the Phantom of the Opera. Unfortunately. Unfortunately for him, probably be more famous for Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Yes. Which, if you just said his name, if I'd never seen Phantom of the Opera and you said, the guy who directs this... Joel Schumacher. Directed... Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and be like, oh, so that's what we're getting. I happen to really like Batman and Robin. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I, <laughs> I like was it. raised on that movie. I like it. However, when you when you when you put it up to Batman, Batman Returns, Dark Knight trilogy, they're not supposed to be the same. Batman and Robin is. It's part of the Tim Burton continuity. Nah, I don't care. Anyway, so I would I would be cautious. I like those films, but I think, okay, so we're going to get a very different Phantom of the Opera Mm -hmm. to what we watched a year ago. Yeah. However, this seems to be taken very seriously. Yeah. So it's not done in the kind of... By the people that made it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we're not... He famously said, we're not making a film, we're making a comic book for the Batman films. Mm -hmm. He's not gone for that same mentality with the Phantom. It looks like he's trying to make a period piece. Yeah, kind of. And there's going to be some things in here that you recognise culturally. Yeah. Because you are a media student, you know, you're going to recognise some stuff. Studied film at university. Yes, indeed. So, obviously, the stage musical came out in 1986. Mm -hmm. This film was announced in 1989. Okay, so it's been a long time in the making. Yes, indeed, it has. Warner Brothers bought the rights to it 
1989 yeah. and announced that that was going to be a thing that they were working on. And they gave Andrew Lloyd Webber total creative control. Wow. Yes. Which is great when it, from a fan perspective of the musical... If I can imagine, like nowadays, being like, "Oh, they're wait, they're making Wicked into a movie, and the directors are being given total control," I would yeah. be like, "That sounds great." Yeah, you know, hindsight <laughs> being what it is, I'm like, "That's not a good idea." Do you know what I think? Honestly, sometimes you've got a you need a level screen of screen person. Yeah, you know? and you also you need that level of attachment. You know, so obviously, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm. I think we discussed this really well in our Phantom episode a year ago. The Phantom is something that he holds very near and dear to himself. Yes. You know, I think I think there's an argument that without speaking to Andrew Lloyd Webber himself, but you mm. could certainly see that maybe he considers that to be his piece de resistance. You know, like that is his defining piece. Yeah. Not Cats, not School of Rock, not anything else we've covered. He He would probably say Phantom is the biggest deal he's ever done. It's like his thing, yeah. yeah. And ha- giving him that control, and like you say, he is essentially just a composer, mm-hmm. to give him full creative control, does that translate? And you probably need somebody who's more objective to be able to step out and say, well, yeah, this is great and all, yeah, but this won't work on screen, mm-hmm. and I want to make it work, that's my job. Yeah, and in terms of that, Andrew Lloyd Webber instantly wanted to hire a director good cool which is nice and he had just seen the lost boys and really liked the use of music in that film so he wanted joel schumacher so joel schumacher from day one was Andrew. yeah wow i mean instantly hired him credit commitment you know like that through all this development hell Mm -hmm. that name stuck yeah and they wrote the screenplay together the same year they thought that they were going to use Michael Crawford and Sarah Brightman in the movie. They were the ones yeah. starring at that yeah. time. And obviously, famously, Sarah Brightman, Andrew Lloyd Webber's original Broke wife. Up. yeah. Original first wife. His original Christine. <laughs> yes. Basically. In many ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had been cast. They, they thought they were going to be reprising their roles in the film. Everybody did. And they were supposed to start filming at Pinewood Studios, which is in the UK, yeah. in 1990. And they had a $25 million budget. Wow. However, so they were supposed to start filming in July. Then it got pushed to November because a lot of the the studios being used and a lot of the dates weren't matching up. And then they were supposed to film at a studio in Germany and then one in the Czech Republic. Yeah. And it just got stalled. And then it got stopped because Andrew Lloyd Webber and Sarah Brightman got divorced. Fair. I mean, and there's also the element of that as time has gone on, especially Mm. because Christine is a young ingenue character, she's going to age out of it. Mm -hmm. With all respect to any actor, there are some roles that you just, you have to think about. It's like, no, they've aged out of this now. Absolutely. Which is what Rent should have done, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Oh, 100%. And Joel Schumacher said, you know, everything got really tied up in settlements we were doing that for a long time and by the time we came out of it nobody really wanted to do this anymore yeah and especially because Joel Schumacher's career just skyrocketed in this gap so it just fell into development limbo and then in February of 1997 uh, Joel Schumacher considered returning to it and was like hey we should do this again probably because Batman and Robin wasn't coming out to the best responses yeah then he got asked to do Dreamgirls 
and Batman Unchained. Well, Batman Unchained famously cancelled. Yeah. So, but he was working on that. Yeah. Then that got cancelled, and then he took over Dreamgirls. I did not know he did Dreamgirls. I knew he had a musical background that mm-hmm. he Phantom wasn't the only musical he dabbled in. That's cool. And I would agree that his use of music in movies is something I could see Andrew Lloyd Webber being really interested yeah. in. Right? Like that is an understandable. But also, thing. The Lost Boys is a very good horror film, mm-hmm. and if you want to bring out the elements of horror in the Phantom of the Opera. Who better than somebody who has just created a really good horror film? Yeah. The studio were like, we're either doing this or we're not. You know, yeah. you need to start on this project because we gave you some money and we'd like to see this being made. Yeah. Um, so the studio wanted either John Travolta or Antonio Banderas, who I could see being Antonio good. Banderas. He's not been the Phantom before, has he? He's done musicals before. He's done loads of musicals. I don't off the top of my head know if he's been the Phantom. But I think he's worked with... Isn't he Puss in Boots? He is Puss in Boots, (laughs) famously. Yeah. But I think... I feel like I saw something recently where I was surprised to see that Antonio Banderas had worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber before. Was he in Evita? That's a good question. He was. He was in the 96 Evita. Cool. I think the problem is... I don't know a whole lot about him, I've discovered. Well, you know, he was in Mask of Zorro, which is, you know, 98. So he's really at, like, pinnacle of his career there, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I feel like having two masked roles in very quick succession would have been very detrimental to him. But yeah, he can sing. He was in Evita alongside... um, It's it's Madonna, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, he's he's a musical personality and he's worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber before, so I can see why he would be up there. And I guess everyone knows that John Travolta is a good singer. Obviously, Danny Zuko. Yeah. But maybe a little too old to play the Phantom. I'm assuming he'd be Phantom and not Raoul. Yeah, these, these are all cast to play the Phantom. How, yeah. So, Antonio Banderas took vocal lessons... And was given the opportunity to sing The Phantom at the TV special, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber Royal Albert Hall Celebration. Yeah. So he got to sing that. And so that was sort of his audition wow. to play The Phantom, which that is very cool. Yeah. However, in 2003, they announced that Andrew Lloyd Webber's company, The Really Useful Group, had purchased the rights from Warner Brothers and were going to produce Phantom of the Opera independently. Wow, okay. So they left Warner Brothers and Andrew Lloyd Webber invested $6 million of his own money into the movie and as well as like backers and people. So they ended up having an $80 million budget. Wow. Yeah, from 25 to 80. The thing is, it's a beautiful looking film. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. I have things to say about that, but don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. So Warner Brothers were given a first look deal for distribution. Um, <laughs> hey, so we're going to buy this off. Well, I guess why wouldn't they? Because they don't have to invest any of their own money in it at this yeah. point. And they can they can get more money. So why wouldn't they? They just mm-hmm. lose maybe some of the creative control they'd have wanted. Yes. So at this point, they go back to the casting couch. And they decided to cast somebody who is well-known for theatre, but is also a well-known actor. Yeah. 
who Andrew Lloyd Webber hadn't worked with before, but was, you know, known for being a really good performer and had won a couple of Tonys by this point. Um, but he couldn't do it because he got cast in Van Helsing. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. He would make a kind of see great it. phantom. And I don't really want Hugh Jackman in many things, but Well, we've just it. been talking about, like, where would we put Hugh Jackman in things? Mm. And... I don't think this would be bad. I could see him as the phantom, but I feel like it's maybe too big casting that it might distract at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, he is Wolverine and has been successful for about five years at this point. Yeah. And... Yeah. I mean, honestly, if she's got to choose between Raoul or a chiseled, hunky phantom... I know, right? I don't really (laughs) think Raoul would ever stand a chance... So, Andrew Lloyd Webber, his description of what they wanted for the Phantom in this version. They said, we need somebody who has a bit of a rock and roll sensibility to him. He's got to be a bit rough and a bit dangerous and not a conventional singer, which, okay, sure. Yeah. Christine has to be attracted to the Phantom because he's just on the right side of dangerous. Which side is his mask on? The left side? That's a good question. I think it's the right. I think it's the right. So, Joel Schumacher heard this and had just watched Dracula 2000 and was like, hey, this guy, we should hire him. It's Gerard Butler. I really like Gerard Butler. And this is the first time that I remember seeing him in anything. And obviously, like, his career skyrocketed. Gerard Butler had no professional singing experience previous to this. He took four singing lessons for his audition. It's a choice with something like The Phantom. If you are doing... Right, so I will say this. I think he looks the part. I think you can't deny that when you look at him... In terms of just Gerard Butler on his own. Yeah. Not thinking about the prosthesis, because I have things to say. Yeah, but in terms of with the... Yeah, in terms of with the mask on, you could see he has the kind of gravitas to be The Phantom. Sure. If you are doing Phantom of the Opera as a straight... Film, no musical, mm-hmm. fine. But casting someone with no singing experience, that's a bold move for something with some very difficult mm-hmm. songs to sing. Yeah. So for the girls, <laughs> they they the front runner at the time was Katie Holmes. Okay. Which I can kind of see. Don't know if she can sing. She wasn't a trained singer at all. She was working with a vocal coach because she was the front runner at the time. Yep. Then she was replaced by Anne Hathaway, who, who is know- a classically trained soprano. Yeah, yeah. and her mum was also a, a singer, so... Yeah. However, she belonged to Disney at the time, and they wanted to make Princess Diaries too. Yeah, and So you she had to drop. Yeah, you can't do both at this point. Mm. That's a shame. I could see her doing yeah. the role really well. Yeah, and then so because she had to drop out, they replaced her with Emmy Rossum, who is who we end up with. Yeah, and we have Patrick Wilson, mm-hmm. who Brown. I like. You know, he's he'd been on Broadway, so yeah, you he's know. I, I like him. You know, he was he's great in. I don't think I've ever seen a film where I didn't like his performance. I've seen films where I didn't like him because I'm not supposed to like him. Mm-hmm. You know, Hard Candy with Elliot Page. Yeah. Phenomenal film, very claustrophobic with two of them, and they do a great job with Patrick Wilson kind of you side with him, but you also don't want to side with him. He's a really versatile, great actor. Yeah. 
less said about Watchmen, the better, but I, I can't blame him for that one. Mm. Then we have Mini Driver. I know Mini Driver's in this because obviously alluded to in Stage Fright. Mm-hmm. She does not sing in this film. Yep. And Who does she play? Is she Meg? No. She's Carlotta. She's Carlotta. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes, yeah, so she's the main soprano in this and film. And she doesn't sing no, in they this dub- film. They dubbed her over with somebody else. At which point, I don't know why you wouldn't just cast someone else. However, you'll see why I'm okay with her being in this. Because her performance yeah. is fantastic. Oh, but I just think there's always something so off. Especially in modern Hollywood. You can kind of, especially post-singing in the rain, where you can kind of understand that you've got to protect your silent movie stars. Mm-hmm. You've built up on this and you can't lose that investment. Yeah. But in 2004... Mm-hmm. That just seems really awful to me. Like we're going to cast you, we're only going to cast, like. And is she getting paid for the full role, or is she getting paid half the role because she technically did half the demands of the role? No idea. You know, it, she's great though. I'm sure she's great. It just it. It feels like there've been some very weird choices in the development of this. Mm-hmm. I I so I, I've been listening to a few of the songs anyway because I add things to our musical driving playlist mm-hmm. and. Sometimes on Spotify, it's difficult to tell which one comes from which. I've put multiple versions of Cats. I don't know what's movie Cats, what's the English Cats, what's the American Cats. I do. (laughs) Because I get very upset, depending on which But it is very difficult to tell sometimes when you add things to Spotify. Mm -hmm. So I've been adding some Phantom, and I added the Phantom of the Opera. And I listened to it, and I could immediately tell it was different... And I could, controversially, and I said this to you in the car this morning, I think the orchestration sounds pretty fantastic. Yeah. It is not the same. And it's obviously not up to par with the fantastic orchestra that we've seen for live performances. Yeah, (laughs) R.I.P. Andrew Lloyd Webber ruins everything. (laughs) It's an awful choice. Yeah. Make the orchestra pit bigger, make sell their seats. And it really upsets me because... I think Phantom of the Opera is one of the great musicals to see in person. And now I'm just not going to give my money to it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't and want I agree. to. I, it was one of the ones that I was really desperate post-pandemic to be able to say, hey, I'm going to surprise you and take you to see a show you love, but I mm-hmm. can't support something where you've cut right. half those people. Especially because the, the orchestra make that oh, show. Oh, this is the thing. As great as it, as it was when we watched the Royal Albert Hall version, I don't think Phantom is anything without its... Mm-hmm. without its orchestra. I just don't know how you can cut half of your orchestra on your biggest ticket-selling musical mm. and then do an interview where you say, I've never run my musicals for money. And I think the other issue as well, when you say a year ago, The Phantom will be back, as it always has been. We're not mm-hmm. making changes. And then you make those changes. Yeah. I understand I, that things have to I change. I don't but know like... what's happened behind closed doors, but I would say this... If you want social distancing practice to be in place, then what you do is you move the pit forward, give the orchestra more space so they can be socially distanced, and you cut, cut your the seats audience. in the stalls. Yeah. The problem with that is, though, what's the expensive seats when you go to book Phantom? It's where the chandelier drops. Yeah, that's true. I'm not saying money was an influence. I don't. I, think I don't know. I wasn't there, but I feel like it's a really awful thing to do, and I would mm-hmm. not be surprised if they have to backtrack on that when people don't flock to see Phantom of the Opera anymore. Mm-hmm. But to get back to my original point, I think the orchestration for this, it is different, but it sounds good. It sounds like what I would want a movie version of this to be. Less synthesizers, more like 
rock opera. Mm -hmm. I think that's amazing translation. And yeah. then the singing started, and you can notice that they are not as strong. Hurts my teeth. <laughs> the singing hurts my teeth. So, you know, I mean, I am. Do you know what I do love? Yeah. The fact that this movie is done using predominantly real sets and yeah. effects and miniatures. Yeah. <laughs> I love miniatures. Yeah. And, and it... matte paintings as the backdrops. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. And this is, I think it's going to be a beautiful film to watch. And I'm sure you'll touch on things when we watch it, when we come back. Mm -hmm. But I remember this looking and I, you know, I think I was around yours once um, pre-Christmas 2019 and it was on when we were still talking about the podcast you're like can we cover this I was like I've actually seen this but I don't remember it and we saw Carlotta's song where she's like you know the big like operatic number and she's all like you you can't give my role to Christine because I am better and oh, the, and she calls her, her diva tired, moment it's the, the diva like, song yeah. We watched that and I was like, oh, Prima Donna. Prima Donna, that's yeah, it. And I don't right. remember that. I remember watching it and thinking, this does look good. That song is so nice. So I think this is going to end up somewhere between Phantom from the Royal Albert Hall and Love Never Dies. Mm -hmm. I don't think this experience will top Phantom of the Opera, which I gave four stars to I believe yeah. I think my criticism of it was it was over long at points mm -hmm. I don't think this will be as bad as Love Never Dies my biggest issues with Love Never Dies was kind of like the retconning of plot mm -hmm. I think this will possibly end up being like a two to three star film I think it will be average yeah I think it will be a fun, nostalgic visit from a year ago to go watch The Phantom and be intriguing to see the transition, having, you know, seen the Royal Albert Hall edition. Yes. Well, and before we go and watch it, I shall leave you with my favourite quote about this movie, which is that Joel Schumacher, the man who added nipples to Batman's suit, has staged Phantom as if his job were to adhere the audience to every note. Isn't that the most poetic thing you've ever heard? It is very poetic. I am surprised that we don't have more obvious nipples on the oh, phantom. Oh, we do. Don't worry. Do we? Fantastic. Fantastic. You've got to have nipples. So the Phantom of the Opera is here inside our flat. Yep. I guess that means <laughs> we are off on our little rowboat in the canals of Paris to his lair. You can row. I shall ride my horse. Will we make it out alive this time? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, but tune in after the break to find out. Yes, from a very long night at the opera, we sure are back. Yeah. I was just looking over my notes mm -hmm. from the last time we covered Phantom a year ago. And it's made me realise, like, either I really know what we're doing now. 
because obviously that was like our third episode, third or fourth yeah. episode. So I, I only wrote eight pages of notes for it, and it still went like two hours long. Yeah, I've written nineteen pages of notes for God, this one. Okay, and partly because I have a sense of more what we're talking about nowadays, or maybe I've just got more to say about this version of the Phantom. Maybe I don't know. It's I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I had a blast watching this one. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because, like, I had nostalgia for a year ago watching Phantom of the Opera, and it's just nice to revisit that world. Yeah. And I'm trying to get back in the mindset of myself when I saw this the first time. And I think there's very much a... This caters more to people who are already, like, fans of musical theatre. It's oh, almost absolutely. like, a you know, the validation of finally seeing something you love on this medium, you know? Mm-hmm. If you're not a fan of The Phantom, you're never going to like this film, I don't think. Yeah. But, Whereas I find this film quite like a comfy movie, you know? But certainly it's not like a definitive Phantom of the Opera experience. And I think that's part of the problem why it's not as good as Phantom of the Opera. Absolutely. Because obviously things have to change. Mm-hmm. You lose a little bit of the magic and majesty when you, when you committed to film. But yeah. we're going to talk about it because there's there's some really nice things about this film. Mm-hmm. There's also some really questionable choices. And one of one of the things I love, I go on about this week in week out. If every musical had such sexy transitions <laughs> as this one does, where we have a single candle and a zooming in on the old Parisian opera house, like that's so beautiful. And I think even even the graphic design of the Phantom of the Opera. Oh yeah, because this is in the, in his handwriting for yeah. this this version. It's gorgeous. Like it's really nice. It sets the tone beautifully before we go in. We know that this is going to be kind of romantic. Mm-hmm. And we get this really smooth, sexy transition from the old photo into Paris. And like we did a year ago, we start at the public auction. Mm-hmm. And I, I realise as the car pulls up, you know, the cart. Whatever. God, the carriage, yeah. The yes. carriage pulls up. His account. Viscount? What's the difference? We get like literally no background music. Mm. It's so eerily silent. Yeah, and that, they kept that. Obviously, that's one of my favourite things about the stage show as well is that when it starts, there's no music yet mm. because all of the music is within the opera and the story. Yeah. So... Anytime we go back in time, there's nothing. Yeah, and it's as we start to see more of like the world of what happened, mm-hmm. the music starts to bleed into the, the real world. So we obviously, the monkey's revealed. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it's when Raoul is, is noticed by... I don't know who the woman was. It was Meg or Christine's mum. Madame Giry is not Christine's mum. No, I know it's not. Was it Madame Jury? Was yeah. that who's supposed to be? Okay. Yeah, cool. he calls her that, which technically Meg would also be Madame Jury by that point. I was gonna say so Meg it's gotta Giry, be Meg. But it's not, it's it's the actress. It's the same actress who plays Madame Jury. How old is she doesn't look old. <laughs> That's one of my big issues with this film, is like how old is Madame Jury supposed to be? Is she a vampire? Well, we'll get to it. Because 
They name her. They call her. One of the right. auctioneers calls her Madame Giri. Right. That can't be. It has to be Meg. It has to be Meg. But it's played by the Which actress fight, who plays I, Madame Giri. But no, it can't be Meg. Because Meg is the same age as Christine. And look at how old Raoul is. Maybe it's Meg's daughter. Maybe literally... Meg's had a kid who has become the new Madame Jury, and they all just look remarkable. Well, they're like all Miranda in America, Richardson. right? Well, love never dies. <laughs> love... We've just accepted at this point: love never dies is a self-written fan fiction. Word. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't actually exist; it's an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. But that can't be Madame Jury unless she is a vampire. It is because, and they haven't even tried to put. Well, yeah. they've, they've done a little She'd be bit dead. of old makeup. She would be dead. She is considerably older than Christina Raoul, and Raoul is an old man. Like, that's Patrick Wilson underneath layers of prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Madame Giry is dead. This is, like, the third generation of Giry children. Yeah. Or it is just, like, he's seeing things. He's hallucinating. He sees her there. Oh, maybe that's what yeah. it is. And they just let Miranda Richards. The monkey is a horcrux for Madame Giry. <laughs> sure. And... You know, there's a, there's still a phantom at this opera house and he's here to, to, to purge it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's when Raoul is noticed. That's when the music starts to bleed in. And when then the monkey's revealed, it's found in the vaults. I don't know why anyone is touching those vaults considering what happened, but fine. It plays Masquerade. And then 30 francs. I'll take the lot. <laughs> God. Raoul looks very shaken. And then we hear young Raoul singing to old him, which I think is very cool. I think that's just supposed to be his internal monologue. Yeah, and I think I think it's awesome. I really yeah. do like that. That It's clearly Patrick Wilson singing to himself. His lips aren't moving. We know it's past him singing to him. Yeah. And... I take a lot of issue with people choosing that as an adaptation choice from stage to screen. Because yeah. it's a musical, we can, with context clues, understand that nobody else, like it's an internal monologue, yeah. even if your mouth's moving. Yeah, so but, move your mouth. <laughs> but I like that old Raoul doesn't speak. Yeah. So it's quite it nice. It stresses me out. Yeah. I, I agree with that on a lot of choices, but I think it works here. We mm-hmm. see the broken down chandelier, chandelier which makes me already realise, hey, this isn't going to go the same way as the show. Oh, so the only show you've seen is the concert yes. uh, performance, which while it is fantastic, again, had, had changes from the stage show. So yeah. the stage show opens the same way as the film. Yeah. And they actually, they have a broken chandelier lying on the stage okay, and then it raises up into oh, the no, ceiling. I, yeah, but th- this is it. For me, it was just kind of thinking, well, the chandelier is supposed to come down at the end of Act One. Mm. So if the chandelier is broken now... Have they just left that chandelier and they never replaced it after the Phantom broke? And I thought, no, the Phantom isn't going to break it where the end of Act One would be because that's going to become a set piece. Because for a film to end mm. the way it has to end, we can't, we, we're not going to have the cliffhanger of Act One. We, we yeah. don't have something to entice the audience to come back in, like a big culmination. It's instead going to go the culmination of the film. So mm. I realised then the chandelier is not dropping. Yeah, no, it's one of the the great feats of musical theatre is that that chandelier raises up into the ceiling at mm, the beginning of the show. It's so cool. It's so cool. We get the line, frighten away the ghost with a little, Illumination! <laughs> Illumination! I can never say that word <laughs> again that way. And it's not Android Webber's fault, but we oh get... my God. <laughs> Illumination! <laughs> we get the most brilliant... Hey, so Warner Brothers, this is a Warner Brothers property... Right, and obviously Warner Brothers with Space Jam. 
Mm-hmm. Are literally throwing all their IPs the in Space in. Jam. Please. If we have got the Clockwork Orange like characters, we can have the Phantom. I want to see one of the Looney Tunes. I mean, similar vibe. <laughs> yeah, I want to see one of the Looney Tunes in like the Phantom's lair with the Phantom. Daffy Duck dresses the Phantom. Daffy Duck with the Phantom. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. But they'd be friends. You know. The lights of this bit is really cool as well. Like we get the dun 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 yes. dun dun. So we, we the reach lights, the overture. The the lights go on and they start to bleed into the rest of the auditorium and it we goes go from really colour. disheveled mm-hmm. black and white into coloured, beautiful. You said we'd see nipples. Immediate nipples. Immediate nipples Immediate on nipples. the statues. Yep. So Joel Schumacher is, you know, his legacy. Legacy, bat nipples and lady nipples on the mm. statues. The overture just continues. I, uh, right, so the overture is, is so beautiful. But the organ here sounds off. It almost sounds off-brand at times. Mm. Because it's less electro. You know what I mean? It's less synthesised than it usually is. Yeah. And it takes some getting used to. Because I'm so used to classic Phantom overture. But you have such epic orchestration. It does sound really triumphant. Like we're going back in time to this beautiful world. And this music playing over the revitalised opera house does sound just perfect. And I do think if you've never seen Phantom of the Opera, this is the best way to start because everyone recognises that bit of music. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how like we saw that video of Andrew Lloyd Webber saying that like just with one note, it's an iconic note when he did the Black Parade illusion, like that one yeah. note, everyone knows what it is. And it's just like, it's iconic. This is iconic. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so hard to not watch this and not feel hyped. Yeah. This is the best way to start. I think I've got to refer to it more often since High School Musical. We're not starting with an actual musical song. We're starting with an overture. But this overture sets the world, mm-hmm. gets you energised, and not a word needs to be said. Absolutely. And I, I don't want to go see Phantom of the Opera at the theatre because of what they've done with the orchestration pit. I yeah. really don't want to support it. Yeah, no, it's really going to... I can't see how it's not going to be... But I want to be... I want to be in a theatre to experience this, Mm -hmm. to get that goosebumps. And it's such, it's so frustrating that I'm like, oh, do I have to compromise on my values to be able to experience this? Yeah. Can I just get a time machine and go back to like 2019? (laughs) You know, but it it Mm -hmm. does, I can't wait for someday to share this this with our kids and just Mm -hmm. to have them and just, feel that like electricity and and hype for this overture yeah absolutely what opera requires bondage princess leia outfits because like that's what the costume looks like as all backstage getting ready it's hannibal it is hannibal (laughs) you can tell carlotta is dubbed so you see some of the singing and and i think if this was done in 2021 and obviously you've dubbed her i think frame rates and the capacity for filming nowadays would hide it better. Mm-hmm. I think, obviously, we're watching on an old DVD. Yeah. The quality is kind of noticeable, especially mm-hmm. on, like, a TV from today's standards. Mm-hmm. Maybe you wouldn't note this as much in 2004. Yeah. But you can tell she's dubbed. However... Margaret Parise is a phenomenal singer. Yeah. That's who's dubbing her. And I noticed in the credits, we'll talk about it now, I noticed in the credits, you do get a singing voice. 
yeah. for Carlotta, but it's buried away later yeah, on. Yeah, it should have been It should after. be after Mini Driver. You have mm. Carlotta and Carlotta's singing voice. Like, it feels like it's a dirty secret to hide it. That feels like a contracting kind of thing. It does, you know? but it just, it feels really shady to me. Anyway, you're right, though. Mini Driver is perfect for this role. Oh, my God. Her acting, the campy, over-the-top, like, Italian diva. Oh, my God. I think what I'd said before still stands, that if we were just doing Phantom of the Opera as a straight story, music gone, maybe the orchestration. Maybe we have the orchestration of Andrew Lloyd Webber without the actual singing, so we still get the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, and we don't have the characters sing. This cast is perfect. Yeah. The weaknesses of so many of them is that they're just not singers. Yeah. But I think Gerard Butler is a great phantom. Mm -hmm. I think Christine is excellent. Emmy Rossum, yeah. I just think the weakness is, in a lot of the vocals... As Meg, I think Jennifer Ellison does a fantastic job, but I've only just found out that she was dubbed as well. Yeah. There's a lot of dubbing going on here, so... Hers is weird, though, because it's not everything. No. Hers is her high notes. But this is what's so weird, is you've clearly got a great cast here. Yeah. But you've just not got a singing cast. Now, if you're going to dub two of them, why not have just dubbed all of them? Mm -hmm. Or why not just... Just hire singers. You know? (laughs) Yeah. But I will say, I think they were... as a, this was just a, a movie of the story, The Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. No singing, but we've worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber to get his orchestration to go in the background. You'd have a perfect Phantom film. Yeah. Just doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Miranda Richardson's great. Mm-hmm. I think she does a really good job as Madame Giry. She never seems as intimidating as... The one we saw at the Abbott Hall. Mm-hmm. You know, the banging of the stick. She doesn't seem to command the same respect. No. You know, that, like, everyone would be silent. She feels a lot more of a background character. Yeah, in this one, she's just the ballet mistress. Whereas in the, the stage show and the, the version we watched previously, she seems to command the respect of everyone backstage, all the performers, even Carlotta. Yeah. You know, Piangi goes quiet when she bangs yeah. her stick. You just do. We don't have that here. No. And she seems just like an arbitrary, like, oh, hey, we've got to include her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And yeah, you know, Jennifer Ellison shows up. And I'm thinking, I have not seen her in years. And quick Wikipedia of her, you know, shows she's been thriving in musical theatre. Yeah. Know, Legally Blonde, Chicago. Mm-hmm. She was Peter Pan, you know. Good for her. Like, I think it's really good casting. Yeah, and it just, wow, I had not seen her for years. I hadn't thought of her for years. And this seems like a big deal for her. I'm surprised, like, you know, her career didn't go more up from here. Yeah. I guess, you know, obviously she's chosen a career she's had. She's had a very successful musical theatre career. You know, she's Roxy Hart in Chicago. She's Pauletta in Legally Blonde. I would say it's a successful career. Yeah. I'm just surprised you don't see her in movies as much. I cannot make the same joke about Raoul. You know, I don't think he looks like Edward Cullen here. But no, if anything, the Phantom is Edward Cullen. In this what one. I think it's kind of like I can sense like a Carlisle Jasper vibe to him more than anything <laughs> yeah. else. You know, so he still looks like a Cullen, mm-hmm. but just maybe a different Cullen. Yeah. The long hair is a weird choice. 
What's the the one Volturi called who has the long hair? Who's Grindelwald? Grindelwald. Yeah. yeah, him. That's who he looks like. Yeah, it's just very weird, isn't it? Like the long hair. It's, I don't... it's fairly historically accurate, to be honest. I know, but it just feels like such a jarring choice when none of the other men have that hairstyle. But that's because everybody else in this is so much lower in society yeah. than him. He, He's very fashionable for his station. Yeah. He didn't show up with the new producers. No, he's not a producer, though. He's their patron. Yeah, but he he didn't show up with them in the Albert Hall version. But he shows up here with them. So as they come to look at the theatre, he's there. So he's already interacted with Christine. So why is he surprised when he sat in the Phantom's box watching Christine? He doesn't Christine? recognise her, though. That's yeah. the point. Yeah, right. so we find out that the current theatre manager is retiring. He's off to Australia. Good yeah. luck. This is James Fleet, by the way. He's yeah. from uh, Vicar Dibley. I just, I, you know, the, the, since watching Hamilton, all I can think is, you know, good luck at the yeah. end. Run away. Yeah, and he leaves the, the theatre running to Ferman and Andre, who yes. have brought their patron with them, which is Raoul. And yeah, Madame Giry tells the new owners all the gossip about the Phantom, says, Mm -hmm. you know, welcome to his theatre, here are the rules, you must pay him this much allowance, never ever fill that box, that is his box, and they're just like, okay, whatever. Yeah, they're kind of just like, what are you talking about? Uh, Christine and Meg talk backstage, be like, oh, that's that's Raoul. Mm. And Christine says he wouldn't recognise her, which, like, he doesn't. And Meg says, no, he he just didn't see you. She's such a good friend. Meg I is. love Meg. I, Meg is, I think, one of the better characters. And it's a shame that she became more sinister and like a puppet of the Phantom in Love Never Dies. Yeah, in the fanfic spin-off. The fanfic spin-off. <laughs> Carlotta goes OTT to impress the new owners. She faces them and sings. But it's like she gets eye contact. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of intimidating eye contact where it's like, you will notice me. Yeah, and she starts to sing Think of Me. Yeah, and does not do a good job. She says she will not be singing, and she is a real prima donna. Yes, indeed. But just we lose that sort of fear of the Phantom. Because, you know, we lose the line where in the stage show and the one we watched previously, she says, until these things don't happen, this thing does not happen. Yeah. And she's not scared here. She's just been a diva. Exactly. It's more just like, I've shown you my talent, but... I'm being inconvenienced. But you're going to have to uh, pay me a higher price to continue. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she says is she ate a hat. So we need to get Henry Higgins on the phone here for her enunciation. Yeah. Why can't the French teach their singers to speak? Well, La Colotta is Italian. Okay, well, still. <laughs> I, I do like the, you know, it's one of my favourite jokes in the My Fair Lady Simpsons parody is ate her hat. You know, like, it's a fun enunciation joke, but, yeah, you know, she, she's, she's basically finding any excuse to not do this. And in this case, it is the costume designers. Like, they are making me look ugly. I will not work in these conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keep that line in mind where she says that she hates her costume because we'll talk about it in a second. So she runs off. Yeah, think of me one. The cleaners have put earplugs in, which I think is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. We get some really nice random background peasants in this version. But we have the wonderful Murray Melvin, yeah. who is 
I know him from Torchwood as being the timekeeper. Yes. Is he not... He's a scary dude. Yeah, is he not also in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah, he He's just... He's the bad guy at the end of season five that basically is like... Mm-hmm. He's just a scary looking older guy. He's been that age forever and he's Perfect. immortal. <laughs> yeah, perfectly cast. Like, he's kind of got that yeah. vibe about him. He's that so creepy. You, you wouldn't be surprised in this version if, like, he was working with the Phantom. Like, he gave the Phantom the keys and was like, lock up behind yourself, you know? like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's the conductor. Yeah, we see some mysterious feet on the steps and Carlotta is taken out and makes shouts, he's here, the Phantom of the Opera. Except with... she doesn't shout, she says, he's here. Yeah. The Phantom of the Opera. Literally, with all the fear of a brick. <laughs> he's here, the Phantom of the Opera. As opposed to, he's here, the Phantom of the Opera. Like, he's like here. scary. The Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, it's... and she doesn't even, again, in the stage show, she runs to Andre and yeah. says it to him. And in this, she just sort of turns to Christine. And we get a great it's line great. that say, these things do happen. Do they? Is this happening in every opera house in Paris, in every theatre in the land? These things happen? They think it's just Bouquet dropping... Mr. Gibbs. ...flies accidentally. But yeah... They call him the the Lord of the Flies, which I think is hilarious. I think that's a great joke. Yeah, and this is where we get the line with, Good luck, if you need me, I'll be on Australia. And yes, Madame... Have the fun. Giri recommends Christine. Mm -hmm. And they say, a chorus girl? No. doing nothing for my nerves. And we get Think of Excellent. Me Too. And, you know, Christine sounds phenomenal. She has a voice like honey. Mm. You know, and I think it may not be the best performance of Christine. However, once you've had Carlotta's and you, then you have this version, it immediately sounds better. Right. And this is, we'll talk about this now. Emmy Rossum is very, very talented. Mm-hmm. She was a soprano from a young age and was is not classically trained in the way of musical theatre people, but has had soprano training from a young age. So she's not ever going to be the same kind of performance as, like, Sierra Borges, you know? And it's not comparable. And also, the one we watched with Sierra Borges, she's a grown woman. This is a 17-year-old girl. Oh, yeah. She's you know? very young. Like, and she's she only sounds four years... like a 17-year-old yeah, girl. Like, she's only four years older than me, you know. And when it's... this came out, yeah. Well, not when this came out. Full stop. Yeah. You know, but like... If you think, like, that she is incredibly young to have been cast in this. She almost didn't get cast in this because her mum told her she wasn't allowed to go to the audition. Yeah. You know, because she was still of an age where your mum tells you what you can and can't do. And it was only because the director went to her house that she even got to audition properly. You know, she's a child and she sounds like a child. And that's fine. Yeah. It has a whole lot of implications to the story, but she's good. Yeah. It's just not comparable to anybody else. No, it isn't. But this is, I think you have to remove this film as completely separate from that world. and adjustments have been made to make it work it's funny because you know and there are i know who emily rossum is i think she's a great actress i've seen her in quite a few things but she does look so different as christine compared to things i know her from Mm. that i think you know she's done a good job like really hiding and becoming christine yeah well this is her first thing no it isn't she'd been in the day after tomorrow before this oh 
Okay. She's done Songcatcher, An American Rhapsody, Happy Now, Passionado, Nola, Mystic River, The Day After, Day, Day After Tomorrow, and then Phantom of the Opera. Like, she, she's established. This is, like, one of her first big roles. Yeah, where but she's... still, you know, I have a lot of problems with Christine in this version, and I do not blame Emmy Rossum for any of them. No. She's a child. Yeah, but in the same way that I don't necessarily blame Gerard Butler, I think the issue comes down to... The production. Super interesting production. Yeah, super interesting production. And I think she's a great Christine. Maybe her voice doesn't always hold up. No. But I think she reacts to the world brilliantly as Christine. Again, if this was just a, 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 a film of the story with an orchestration by Andrew Lloyd Webber, she, we wouldn't be criticising her. No. And I think she does an amazing job. Mm-hmm. For a child. Yes, you we know? get a really... Oh, this film is so beautifully shot. Like, the cinematography is so amazing because we get that really awesome shot where there's a transition from her auditioning to being on stage in front of everyone else. This is what I wanted you to think about. Why does Carlotta hate this costume? Because this is the costume Carlotta should have been wearing when yeah. she was singing Think of Me. So why does she hate this costume? She looks like an angel. Maybe that's... Maybe it doesn't look it's good not, at Carlotta. Maybe it's not sparkly enough or shiny enough or... I guess it's not as over the top as her other costumes, but... Yeah. We We've been watching lovely... a lot of Don't Tell the Bride and there are some brides that, like, when they're looking, they get these big, sparkly, shiny dresses mm. and then their fiancés pick out, like, the most boring dresses and as soon as they put on, they're like, oh, hey, this is actually quite nice, but it's not what they'd have wanted. Maybe that's just what the issue is. Yeah, and we know that Carlotta is over the top, but... Yeah. They they do this lovely thing. And I know people hate this, right? A lot of people don't like this effect. But Christine literally glows. Like, they've put this glow effect on her. Yeah. And I personally, I think that's supposed to be how the audience is seeing her and how Raoul is seeing her. Mm. I don't think that's supposed to be actually happening, you know? It's still a weird choice, though. It's a super weird choice, but I like it. Yeah. Raoul is in box five. He yeah, clearly hasn't listened. Time. Always in box five. And he's watching and he recognises her and he's instantly in love. Can it be? Can it be Christine? We get a shot from like the back of the auditorium and like, this is such a beautiful opera house. Mm. Like all the the kind of effects and the architecture. This is a really beautiful uh, opera house she gets a standing ovation mm -hmm. she is as simon callow says stupendous mm -hmm. Stupendo. and then yeah we learn that her dad is the phantom because she talks about how her dad passed away yeah. and talked about an angel of music mm -hmm. and that the angel of music would like Nurture I will send, her. yeah, when I'm dead, I will send to you the angel of music to take care of you. And she's like, well, that's my father. Yeah, he must be the angel of music. But who plays her dad, Danny? That's why I wrote the, the note, her dad is the phantom, because her dad is a former phantom. Yes. So her dad is Ramin Karimwu. Yeah. And phenomenal. Perfect, perfect cameo. That's all I want. He is the only person to have ever played Raoul the Phantom and yeah. Christine's father. I think that's the best kind of cameo you can have and obviously you know we've got In the Heights coming out and I obviously don't want Lin-Manuel Miranda to reprise the role that you know he, he did but I, lead, want, yeah. I want him to have. Yeah he is in it. Yeah I want him to have a cameo in the same way that there's a few actors who were in it and I think there's one who she passed away but she filmed something for it. That's exactly what I want. And when 
I think John M. Chu is also down to do Wicked when mm. he does Wicked. I want a cameo for Adina Menzel and I want Christian Chenoweth. To be Madame Morrible. To be Madame Morrible. I don't understand why they wouldn't do that. <laughs> however, if they can't do that, I understand. But like a cameo from both of them would be amazing. Like have Adina Menzel be, I don't know, Auntie M in a flashback or something. <laughs> Auntie M. You know, have Adina Menzel be Elphaba's mum. Yeah. Have her be. Have her, have her do a cameo. That's exactly what I want. That's what Rent should have done, is mm-hmm. have these characters show up, but like as cameos. I'm fine with it. He he doesn't need to sing. Yeah. You know, he just... He's but also, there. if Ramin Karimlu is in your movie, why have you got Gerald Butler playing the Phantom? <laughs> you know, maybe it's I'm a sure schedule, he right. was just busy, maybe, I'm yeah, sure. Maybe it's a scheduling thing. I think what we've got to remember is there is still a Phantom of the Opera going on mm-hmm. on Broadway, on West End at the time. Yeah, now, Ram and Karimlu is one of uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's like obsession people. Yeah, but maybe he's actively on a project right now, and I think he was in Phantom. Yeah, so you can't you can't stop the Phantom for this filming here, can you? Because those mm-hmm. tickets would have been sold for years ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Angel of Music, Meg is in love with Christine. Clearly, a hundred percent. This is the gayest version of this story. Yeah, Meg, Meg, and we get right. So this is why I have a real issue. And this is where it stops being a romance instantly. Mm-hmm. Because we never see it in the stage show for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. However, in the film, we get the flashback to baby Christine. And it becomes so apparent that the Phantom has groomed her. Yeah, he's been grooming her since she was a kid. And she's very, very... It is much more obvious in this version than it is in any stage version. Yeah. That Christine really genuinely thinks that this voice she's hearing is her father. Yeah. And so she will do whatever it says because she believes that her father is coming back and speaking exactly. to her. You can kind no of have the suspension. So messed up. Like... You can kind of have the suspension of disbelief with the stage show because we don't have flashbacks that maybe Madame Jury didn't find the Phantom when she was a child. Maybe the Phantom has not been here that long yeah. and has, is maybe five years older than her. Mm. You know, like is we... a, a lot older. Yeah, and they add into this film version a whole bunch of references to the book. Yeah. And in the book he has not been here for that long. Yeah. Like he's he's world travelled and he's yes. very well read and well educated. But he has basically lived here. He has grown up here. Like yeah. he's the same age, maybe a year or two younger at most than, than Madame Jury. Yeah. And he has groomed her. So I'm instantly like, right, so there is no romantic kind of will they, won't they here. This is just wrong. Yeah. Whereas with the Royal Albert Hall version, I can get behind the romance of it. And it they feels kind like they, of look the same age yeah. as well. And it, yeah. you, you can feel the will she choose him, will she choose Raoul. You, you can kind of get behind that plot with here. You always are like, right, well, I hope she ends up with Raoul then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meg and Christine, they talk about it's the spirit of her father. And in this film, it actually kind of is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. They have this bad habit in this movie of when people are singing very high notes, pulling the camera back yeah. a really long way away from them. So that they can hide the face and maybe show someone else is singing it. Yeah, but they do it in this scene as they're singing Angel Music. They walk down a corridor together and the, the camera is like up on a balcony filming yeah. them. It happens again and again through the movie and as soon as you know it's there, you can't unsee it. Mm. And it's all I can see all the way through this film, it's like, please zoom in. I don't need to uh, zoom in on their face. I don't want my Tom Hooper lame is close up, yeah. but I would like to be able to see 
their emotions yeah. while they sing this song. Because Christine is supposed to be really conflicted over thinking this is actually her father and her friend is being like, look, no, it's not. Yeah. You know? Because Meg knows the Phantom is real. Yeah, because she'll be told. Meg says stories like this can't come true. Clearly, Jennifer Ellison did not read the script before she signed on to this project. None of these actors had ever seen the show. So... So this is the other thing, is... is Christine is frightened, but why? She believes this is, like... I'd be a bit scared if my dad came back from the dead and started talking to me about being an opera singer. But she's been talking all the time about how this is her angel of music and she feels comforted by him, so she's suddenly frightened. It's weird. Madame Jury says he is pleased. Ooh. I don't think it's... And then she locks them in. She locks the door and she locks Christine in. I knew you were going to say this. It's not Is her. it the Phantom? It's, it's the, the Phantom, Phantom. and no, Madame Jury it... standing to the side watching. Yeah, I mean, I know it's the Phantom. But... She's complicit. Yeah, she is complicit. Yeah. Raoul, obviously, he's a count. He's a very rich it's man. A Viscount. Whatever. Whatever that means. He steals flowers. <laughs> he's lazy. He's, he's the la- worst boyfriend. Right. No, but it really is. There are no good men in this. So lazy. Because he's like, I have money, but how do I maintain my wealth? I know I'm going to steal these flowers and I'm going to act like I spent hours yeah. finding them for this lady. Yeah. And yes. He clearly asked zero questions before he just rocked up at the opening night performance. And Didn't even see that it said Christine Dio would be playing the role of no. whatever. He, um... He talks with her and literally the first thing she says to him is, by the way, my dad's this angel of music, like teaching me to sing. Is that literally all she knows to say to anyone? She's the most boring person. Like there's, do you know what I mean? Like that's your first conversation with someone? I mean, they're childhood sweethearts. But her conversation is like, my dad's dead and his ghost teaches me to sing. Yeah, but he... Is so that not Raoul a red flag? Was there. No, because Raoul was there when this conversation was had when she was young. Yeah. So when her father was saying, like, oh, the angel of music is watching over you. Yeah. Raoul's heard that before. Yeah. So her saying that to him isn't as it's weird just... as it is her saying it to Meg. I know, but it's weird. It is still a little bit weird. And Meg just accepts it. <laughs> so this is where we see Madame Jury watching the Phantom lock the door. Now, it is a lot darker this version because she's actively pimping Christine out yeah basically like she's actively doing it it's not like it's happening and she's like semi aware of it but also scared of him yeah she's like go for it yeah no just like mates they've groomed (laughs) her together yeah and it's yeah it's awful the phantom's voice is not exactly angelic when he sings it doesn't come across like angel of music it's more intimidating it's like demon of music yeah and it, yeah, it is. And then suddenly there's all this smoke. Where does the smoke come from? <laughs> the Phantom is so extra. He, he's literally come with smoke bombs. <laughs> he brought his smoke machine and was like... He's just like, <laughs> at once. You know, like... Right, so this is one of my favourite things in every version of the Phantom. And I potentially brought this up last time. No. I don't remember. This is Carlotta's dressing room. So he's been spying on Carlotta. This mirror has been here the entire time. 
He's got all these mirrors. Like we see him smash them at the end. Spoiler that he smashes mirrors at the end. But those they, are just in his bedroom. But they clearly all have to. They're, they're all different ways out. Like he, he has they're not. They, he has one where he smashes it. He's trying to figure out which one's the way he wants to go. He's, no, he's smashing. He's three. just obsessed with mirrors. We'll talk about it at the end. But he's clearly got multiple mirror mirror but passages. But he's he's in Mirrorland. Currently. This happens in the stage show as well. They make it very clear that this is not a new dressing room. This is Carlotta's dressing room, and obviously. The Phantom has been trying to get Christine in there the whole time, you know? Yeah. He wants her to be the star. But... Well, he's been building Is it because thing. that's the only way into him? No, there's multiple ways in, but this is his favourite route because this is the way that goes via horse back. Yeah. Because, yes, we get... Caesar. We get Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. And this song is gorgeous. I really like this. You know, I, I listened to it on Spotify anyway because I'd added this version. I like this version of the song. Mm. Uh, Raoul tries to rescue Christine to no avail. It's very dreamscape. I I think at this point, Gerard Butler looks so sexy as the Phantom. He's very slim. And I think it's very easy to fall under his spell. Like, Yeah, you kind of get it, right? <laughs> he's quite hypnotic. You know, I wonder how he feels about being called Phantom of the Opera. Like, is he not really like, no, Christine. himself that. My name is Dave. It's Eric. It's Eric. My name is Eric. Yeah. And she's like, no, you are the Phantom. Like, I wonder, that, that you know, like, that's... They establish in the stage show that he doesn't have a name. Yeah. But in the book, his name is Eric. No, and, and I get that. It just, I wonder how he would feel being called, like, his ghost ghost name. He's like, is that what they're calling me? Oh, Phantom of the Opera. I kind of like that. I can, I can deal this, with it. It's like know, his emo name. Yeah, that's his MySpace profile name. He's like, he's gone from <laughs> being, like, Eric Dwight to Phantom of the Opera because mm-hmm. I'm so extra. And, yes, he has a horse... For literally 30 seconds. He puts on horseback just for 30 seconds of trotting. I have some great things to tell you. Why does he have a horse? Why is this horse cooped up in the sewers underneath this opera house? His name is Caesar. Yes. He's from the book. And the Phantom does not keep him under the opera house. He's kept in the opera house stables. Okay. Everybody knows that this horse is here all the time. And they just assume it belongs to like somebody who works in the stables. But it's a big, scary-looking black horse with a white like a mask on top rider. of it. <laughs> and yeah, in the stage show, originally, there's this bit where oh, it was in the version we watched as well. You know, they walk along the beams and they they tw- tip downwards so they can walk down, and then yeah. they end up back on the stage. And originally. There was a fake horse for her to ride down there. And the issue was it would get jammed at the bottom because there wasn't enough space for it to turn. Yeah. So you would have to ride the horse forwards down one part and then backwards down another part and then forwards again to get onto the stage. And they were like, we're going to cut this. It looks dumb. (laughs) But it is one of my favourite things. It is just weird. It is weird, but he just did it to be like super extra. Oh, it is super extra. I love all the weird gold arms. Mm. And this is a reference to some old like cinematic theme. And I can't remember what it's called. You're the media studies person. Yeah. Yeah. The golden arms that stick through the wall and hold the candles. I would like to volunteer to be one of those people. Yeah. But who were those people? Extras. Right? Or it was just all the, the stage hands and they were like, them. we're just going to roll your sleeves the up Phantoms and spray paint you The Phantoms hired them gold. exclusively for tonight. He's made his plan. He knows everything. So he's like, right, I need you for tonight. Well, we see later on that they're not actually there. This is all in Christine's head. Yeah, because she's been like drugged by his smoke bombs. Yeah. 
like you know she is she looks hypnotized mm. and yeah. during the ah, and the sing for me there's such a sexy guitar rift where it's just like oh yeah it's I like an electric it. guitar version of it it is and it's so awesome mm-hmm. the way his layers revealed is great however the lights come out from under the water so why are they lit yeah has the phantom created like waterproof electricity is that well, how it's not candles yeah so they're fire so is the phantom magical in are we is that what we're led to believe that the phantom has magic powers i think it's we have vampires be... in this world we have magical phantoms of this world i think it's supposed to be the same as the gold arms that it's not actually happening it's as they're rounding the corner like that's how it looks to christine you know but again so in is... the stage show I can suspend my disbelief because they rise up out of the stage. So this, yeah, this is it. This is all in Christine's head because she has been drugged. 100%. And this is her view of the world when literally, he's literally just like draped her over his arm, over, over his shoulders. He's like just carrying her Running like, <laughs> She was sat on his shoulders and she thought it was a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love it. And we get like a real nice close-up of him and I want this phantom mask. The costume is great. It's stuck to his face, like yeah. it's not poking off, which obviously, you know, that feels like a real, like, mm. negative thing for me to comment on the stage show. But, like, and I get it, prosthetics, you're going to have that. But it's just quite jarring when you look at it and you can see, like, the gap under it. Yeah, you're this 100% sticks right. sticks to his face and the costume is great and you can do that. You have that ability. It's afforded yeah. to you. And How, obviously the difference is... Yeah. In the stage show, whoever is playing the Phantom has to arrive two hours early to start having his prosthetics put on. And then the mask goes over the top of that. And it's on a wire that goes around the back of your head to keep it in place. And they obviously don't have that problem with the movie. You can just tape it to his face if you want to. Like spirit gum it, whatever you want to do. Because it can sit completely flush and hide everything. Because there's close-ups, you know? Mm. But also... (laughs) Just like they went through eighteen masks in this I film. I can imagine why. They'd probably fall off or get knocked or something. No. Dirty fingerprints. Also fair. <laughs> I just wipe it. I will concede, as I already have, vocally, Jared Butler is not great. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like this is a, a real musical angel of music, like why is this man being a singing tutor? Mm-hmm. But his gravitas is so amazing as the Phantom, like the way he carries himself. He's very intimidating. He is a perfect phantom. He he is perfect to play this character if we remove the singing. Music of the night. You know, I think it kind of works that he can't sing. He's a failed opera singer, so he, he haunts the opera to live vicariously through them. Yeah. You know, we talked about it previous times that, like, the Phantom isn't as musically talented as he thinks he is. Mm. You know, I can't remember if it was Love Never Dies or Phantom, but we were like, this is his, like, masterpiece. It's kind of crummy. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> Phantom. We'll talk about it when we get there. But, like, you know, I like the idea that here he is in his mind. It's like shower singing. You think you can sing, but the Phantom can't. He built a shoebox set, which is really cute. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Quasimodo's toy set from Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's super interesting. And comparison. I now really want a buddy cop comedy with the Phantom and Hunchback solving crimes in Paris. You could call it One Up and One Down. Because <laughs> like the Phantoms in the sewers <laughs> and Quasimodo's. Suck. Would they have been around at the same time? Like, Could we argue that at this point in Paris, 
the Hunchback is ringing the bells of Notre Dame because that's a spin-off I want. Obviously, Universal's uh, Dark Universe didn't work out. No. I am pitching to you, you know, when Universal have their streaming service at like Disney Plus, let's start the foundations off with a really good buddy cop comedy. Hunchback of Notre Dame is set in 1831. So a few years later. It's set in 1870. Okay. So, like, the Hunchback could still be around. Sure. You know... We can bring the hunchback forward. I guess. Meet in the middle. Christine's in a trance. Oh my God. You know, she she's so in a trance. And then he shows her the wax dummy and she faints. Right. I have things to say about the wax dummy. Go for so it. So when I was doing my research, and this is verbatim as it's written. Yeah. The doll in the Phantom's lair that is supposed to resemble Emmy Rossum is not actually a wax mould. Well, no, that could not be more clear. Yeah. Like, it's obviously just Emmy Rossum. Yeah. And they initially, they made a mannequin of her. Oh, and But when they put the fake eyes They didn't eyes tell in, her, so that when she stared into it... She actually did <laughs> No, when they put the eyes in, it didn't look enough like her. Yeah. And it was something to do with the eyes. They just couldn't get it right. Mm. And so Emmy Rossum was like, why don't I just do it and just like paint my face to make me look like a, a wax mannequin? And so they Emily did Rossum that. is a team player. Like, look at yeah, her coming up with creative great. choices. I love her. But so she she had the waxy makeup on and she just has to stand there and not blink. And this raises so many questions for me because if it kind of looked like her, but not... You would be no like, he just got a fa- he just got a mannequin, but and then this girl just looks like him, so he's attracted to her. But in this one, he made this. No, no. What he's done is he's brought in a contractor, and they've been spying through rehearsals and through those mirrors. And he's been like, right, have you got a good sketch? I want it made exactly to her proportions. And the guy's exactly. Like, hey, that's actually, creepy. They're your Franks. I'm not one to pass it's your judgment. Creepy wax doll. Yeah. So she faints, and of course, this is the signal to take her to bed. Obviously. He he whispers, help me to make music of the night. Yeah. Which is so creepy because he's laying her in bed yeah. and he's like, we're going to make music tonight. Especially because we've seen Love Never Dies now. We know that this is when uh, she gets pregnant. <laughs> However, in this version, <laughs> what else, how else do I, I will say that? this, in this version, I think it's actually quite obvious. Nothing happens. He puts the nice curtain down. Because he stands behind it and then we see the curtain drop in front of him. I actually think this version of the Phantom is more in love with her to the point that he's trying to he court her. He has obsessive purity yeah, about her. Yeah, but he's going to try and court her. He's, he's, he's here to convince her and he's going to try to make her love him. He's not going to rush everything. He's going yeah. to wait till she is a consenting party in this. Whereas Love Never Dies Phantom mm-hmm. and Stage Show Phantom hasn't got the same no. attitude. Do you know how old Gerard Butler was when they made this? 35. 34, Ooh, but yeah. Close. Yeah, it's it's not okay to have a 17-year-old play no, opposite no, 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 a 34-year-old. No, 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 no. But I think, obviously, the Phantom has had a really awful childhood upbringing. That so does not excuse it. No, 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 I know it doesn't excuse anything, still obviously. It's still, it is still awful, but he's probably looking, you know, looking for somebody that has the same talent he has and she's the first person to match his talent sure meg comes looking and finds the mirror entrance so of course she goes down and the corridor's empty and disgusting now. and yeah and this is it right if she's scared of rats imagine how she'd react to the phantom 
<laughs> but Madame Jury stops her journey. It's so weird. Like, she's already discovered this. And, like, Madame Jury's like, get out of there. You, He doesn't want you. I'm not pimping you out. You have no Madame worth Jury's to me. Madame Jury's like, I tried to pimp you out. You're not a good singer. I will pimp you out in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. We get the magical lasso story. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> yeah. And oh, yeah. yeah. Gibbs. Masquerade monkey wakes Christine up. Mm-hmm. Coy Phantom looks surprised to be caught at the piano. He's like, oh, Christine, fancy seeing you here. I was just <laughs> writing a little ditty for my opera. Right. Not going to lie. I'm really glad they took this one bit of music out. Do you remember in the stage show? Yeah, we like hammering away on the piano and it's not good. And she wakes up like, oh, what has awoken me? Oh, his bad play. Yeah, because this is it. We're like, he is <laughs> not as good out. as what he's. He that is not romantic. No, it's not. And so he's funny. like, oh, you've just caught me writing my masterpiece. How quaint. And yeah, she takes his mask off and he is angry. But here's what I wonder, right? So he's so ashamed of his face and he's like singing and covering his face mm-hmm. why would you not make getting the mask back your first priority he's busy calling her pandora i know but it's like do that once you've got your mask back on grab it from her hands and be like who are you you vile pandora you don't know no, the box you've just awoken because it's important that she gives it back to him yeah like that just... affects his trajectory it is I also realised at this point that the Phantom's accent is... Non-existent. Sometimes French, sometimes American, sometimes Scottish. Now, if this was Phantom from what the Royal Albert Butler's Hall, actual... he's Scottish. Yeah. Because in How to Train Your Dragon, he's doing his actual voice. Who is he in How to Train Your Dragon? It's Hiccup's dad. <gasps> cool. I know, right? I did not know that. So he's doing his actual accent there, I believe. Mm. If this was the Albert Hall Phantom, the stage show Phantom, we know he's world travelled. We know that like he's only recently here, so he could have spent time in America. He could have spent time wherever. Yeah, he's been all over the place. So he could have picked up this weird. He's in this one. He just has. He's in this one. He's literally been in a basement of an opera house since he was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Where has he got these voices from? We flash forward and. Side oh. note, I missed that show. Flash Forward was a great show. Do you know how long it took them to do Gerald Butler's makeup prosthetics for The Phantom? Ten minutes. <laughs> it looks it, doesn't it? It took them four hours to do what? We'll talk about that when we get to the actual reel, because I haven't seen it at this point. Yeah, in this part, it just looks like they put some really red powder on his face. Yeah. We flash forward, and it's... It's jarring. I don't like it. I don't like that we're sucked out of the story. Oh, yeah, God. We see, this should not be allowed. You know, it, it, it doesn't really work. But, you know, we do get the you know another really sexy transition as we get, you know, the, the, the zoom into old Raoul's eye and then the colour comes back into the iris and into the theatre. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, Furman looks like old Gaston. So I've now decided... Phantom of the Opera happens in a weird world where Gaston beats the beast, takes over the castle, gets the money, and now he's retired, and him and the Foo have gone into theatre production. Scrap metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they literally sold Lumiere for scrap metal. Um, and this this is Gaston and the Foo, and they are like, I'm not scared of no beast. We go into my favourite musical choice of 
The whole of Phantom, any version of Phantom of yeah. the Opera, Notes slash Prima Donna no, is my favourite song yeah, this, every single time. This is fantastic. And it's... But just them singing to each other and Simon Callow is so great. This He's is such a good actor. Why this is, is one of the two I think I gave five out of five to musically. Mm-hmm. This and Phantom of the Opera slash Overture. Yeah. This is so cute. It is. I love this sequence. I love how the Phantom has left notes. I had to pause it here because I started laughing hysterically. Yeah. Because as one of them is reading their notes, he reads his note. And I just thought it was like... No one likes a debtor. Yeah. I didn't didn't realise until he said, please turn over, until he turned over the page. I thought he was like, does the Phantom sign his, his messages going Phantom of the Opera, just PTO? And you're like, no, it's please turn over. And I was like, over. of course it is. But in this world, where we've got Phantom the Opera. Yeah, Phantom the Opera. You know, like, I just thought, that's such a fun way to sign off. And if I'm, I was the Phantom, I would just confuse anyone by signing each side of the page PTO. So you PTO turn over, PTO turn However, over. the next line that they sing is Opera Ghost. That's how he signs it, is OG. Yeah, I just... I, I laughed so much because I just thought that is hilarious that he would sign it as Phantom of the Opera. I think it's really funny that he knows that they all call him Phantom of the Opera. And he's like, no. And I'm he signs it Opera Ghost. The ghost. Oh, geez. The Opera Ghost is here. Yeah, like, he's like, no, 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 no. My name is Opera Ghost. It's my MySpace page. It's Opera Ghost. Call me Opera Ghost. Yes, the Phantom is stirring here, and the rhythm of this number is so amazing. I talked about it last time, but I love this, the, the, the beats to it, the mm. rhythm of it, where it's it's very Sondheim. Yeah, absolutely, I can hear that. It's very reminiscent of things like Into the Woods, where it's like, so it's your fault then. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it, it's so awesome here. And where I wouldn't... is he? How dare you? Where is he? And yeah. they were like singing against each and other. And I love it that it's like, well, the Phantom is saying that Raoul did this. And I was like, I didn't do this. It says, my letter says, you did this. And Carlotta comes and says, you did this. It's like, no, I didn't. He did this. And I love this. The Phantom's just there going, ha, ha, Dance, ha, my puppet. Dance. Dance, the dance of deceit. Yeah. And Carlotta basically says, this is all a plot yeah. to, get, to make... Christine, the new prima donna, and to get me out. Yep. There's a really awful and weird voiceover dub that Furman is talking, and then suddenly his voice morphs into the Phantom's voice, and you still see his lips moving. <laughs> it's oh, no, like, that happens in the stage show, too. But what it is, is it's like in Beetlejuice. That's possession. Yeah. Any girls can do that in one or two lesson. Like, yeah. This <laughs> day will be playing the lead. Yes, the Phantom swaps heads on Quasimodo's toys. He will not be pleased. I have so many questions about this, right? So this show that they're putting on has the plot of a rich young woman marries an old rich man to get his money. And he's never there, but he's in love with her. And she's having an affair with a young man Mm -hmm. who is very sexy. And in opera... The character of a young man was often played by a soprano. Yes. Like woman. So they would dress them up as a man and we would just like accept, Mm -hmm. you know, like Peter Pan. We just accept that it's a boy. Fine. But the reason you cast a soprano in that role is because they sing high. (laughs) Yeah. And this is a silent role. So why do we need a soprano to play this character? Why isn't it Meg? Because he wants to embarrass Carlotta. Yeah. That's all it is, is he's just trying to embarrass yeah. Carlotta. So yeah, uh, Carlotta's costume's excellent throughout this sequence. They obviously ignore the instructions. They insist Christine will play the silent page boy role. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's funny how 
everyone backstage hates Carlotta. Yeah. They talk about her public adore them. What public? They want Christine. Will you give this, give this rose to Miss Daae, please? Yes. Yeah, she's really mad about that. You know, her dressing room is spectacularly garish. Mm-hmm. I have the question, does Furman have a foot fetish because he sniffs her heels? Or chomps down on her heels. He bites it Why? out of stress. Why? It's not, he doesn't look stressed. He looks like he's like, oh. Like, it's, yeah, he's, he's enjoying it. it way too much. He's like, I'm really stressed. Fetch me one of Carlotta's shoes. Yeah. Her, her aroma pleases me. How does her dress fly onto her? Does Carlotta summon Disney animals? That's a really weird choice. There's more than one fan. I kind of love opera. it. Oh, yeah, but it just looks I like the weird. idea that her dresser and her costume designer like yeah. threw it up into the There's air. a really funny bit at the end of this. We see everyone singing Prima Donna and then you have Madame Jury just like Prima Donna, Prima Donna, just shut up and stop. Like she looks so unenthusiastic as she sings mm-hmm. and I love that choice. That's such an excellent... I, I don't even know how, like, if that's an intentional choice or, like, Miranda Richardson was just like, I should be in my Dead trailer right now. don't care about We've this. We've been doing this for five hours. I need a break. And nobody noticed it. <laughs> you know, like, last week with High School Musical where a girl walks into a wall. Nobody picked up on this. But it makes it so much mm. better. This song has one of my favourite musical theatre gags, which is making the audience aware how difficult it is to sing these songs where yeah. they sing, sing Prima Donna, and then the entire cast goes, <gasps> Prima Donna. <laughs> yeah. It's great. And they will do a big gasp of air. Absolutely hilarious. I love stuff yeah. like that. And uh, then we go into Il Muto. Yeah, so Raul is asking for trouble, sitting in box five yet again. Again. Christine over the pro, making the most of Page Boy. You know she graciously accepted this. Like she's mm-hmm. she's like, I'm not a big deal. I'm not arrogant. I'll happily take any role. I just she love just doing wants this. She to be in it. Yeah. Yeah, and this is quite a prominent role. She gets to be. She she's a you know a, a solo character. She's not part of the ensemble. Mm-hmm. For her, she's like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, um, and the Phantom is stalking the opera. This song gets stuck in my head all the time. I forgot the song. I think it's entirely. He makes me laugh. <laughs> no, I thought it was entirely forgettable, to be honest. Uh, the Phantom reveals himself. He is at the top. He says, Did I not instruct my box was to be kept empty? Mm-hmm. And everyone is like, Ah! like, Fight me. Yes. Because so, he's a whiny little boy. And we get the only moment in this film where Minnie Driver sings. Because she sprays herself. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been tampered with. Yes, she calls Christine. She says, your part is silent, little toad. Yes. And Gerard Butler is like, I forgot what he was called. <laughs> the Phantom, who this show is named yes. after. The titular character. Yeah. He says, a toad, madam. Yes, a toad indeed. <laughs> and then when she tries to sing again. Yeah. And everyone laughs. Mm-hmm. Cast included. Furman calls an audible. Why would you not? Are you kidding? Like, yeah. incredible. Exactly. Furman calls an audible and he swaps Carlotta for Christine and they rush to the ballet for Mac 3. And I love that as the curtains pull back, you see the stagehands very Chaos. quickly. Yeah. I love that. that and yeah. I, w- I, I would love to see that done in the stage show as well. Like, it is. You know, I think that's a really awesome it's bit. It's a of really like... nice bit of choreographed chaos. Yeah. You know? And it's hard to do. Yeah, Lieutenant Gibbs comes face to face with the Phantom and he peg legs it out of there. Hilarious. Is this just all pirate jokes? Yeah, for for the few bits he's there. And then, you know, the pirate is hung. Bouquet, yeah. Yeah. We get the Phantom's theme. Bouquet knows 
way more about the Phantom than he has any right to. And yeah. I've always found that super interesting and very strange. Now, we talked earlier on about how the Conductor... We made a joke that the Conductor knows who the Phantom is. Yeah. However, the Conductor reacts really quickly... And improvise fantastically because the second bouquet is hung, we get the dun 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 dun. That's the conductor, not him. the conductor is in on it. He's he's queued it up. He's waiting for it, and he 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 instructs his orchestra to go dun 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 dun. He knows what's going on. And I love the yeah. guy. This again is not in the stage show, but one of the actors who was in El Muto gets stuck in front of the the curtains. Mm-hmm. And the conductor tells him that he's fired. Yeah. Which is <laughs> also great. We get Raoul singing his next song, and I forgot Raoul sung the Phantom song. And and basically it's like, there's no Phantom of the Opera inside. There's no Phantom of the Opera. You know, like, yeah. he's so dismissive. He's such a bad boyfriend. He, you know. <laughs> we'll get to my favourite line about I know, him, but like, caring, obviously but... Christine is now like, oh God, a man has died. And I've I've been with this man, like, I've seen him. He he could have killed me. And she's clearly now going to be going through a traumatic experience of, like, survivor's guilt. Yeah. What makes me so special? And he's just like, there is no phantom. This is the thing, right? Bouquet, we've seen previously, hangs out with the ballet dancers. He's an older guy. He thinks it's funny to tell them scary stories because they are little girls. Yeah. You know? Little girls. Little girls. (laughs) But, so she probably grew up knowing this guy. Yeah. Because she's lived in this ha- in yeah. the opera house her whole yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, And the biggest there difference... is no reason for him to die. Yeah. The biggest difference here is the fact that Christine doesn't sing like she's in love with the Phantom. No. At least she's with other versions, you kind of get a sense of, like, there's a bit of, like, still intrigue about him. But here she's like, no, I'm done with him. I never want to see him again. And we yeah. get All I Ask of You. Too it feels cute. like there's been a lot less build between Raoul and Christine. Like, it doesn't feel like there's been as much emphasis on their relationship here. So when we get to this point, I'm like... Oh, no. This version of it is like, he's in love with her. Yeah. And that's clear the whole time. Or he thinks he is, anyway. Yeah. And she's like, because you're in love with me, I know that if I asked you to take me away from this place, you would. Yeah. And she's like making use of that yeah you know she yeah it just there hasn't been enough build between them at this point for me to really feel invested in their relationship Mm. the phantom's hiding behind a gargoyle which sucks because i miss him like revealing himself at the end like heartbroken people scream when that happens in the stage show and it's awful because there's no like intrigue you're just kind of like oh we've and it's not scary it doesn't create any suspense yeah exactly exactly when he pops up in the stage show from behind the angel, which is visually gorgeous, mm. you're like, oh, God, he heard all of that. And they, your heart breaks terrible. for him. This is the moment where, like, the thing is, you can see the Phantom mm. as this, like, misguided, awful man, but you can still kind of appreciate that he's in love with her. And you can visibly feel, like, the, the emotion because his heart breaks. He's like, that's it. You've bought war. You've chosen this path and fine. Mm-hmm. You don't get that here. No. Because it's not like it's heartbreaking. You're just like, oh, you're stalking them and you're just spying on them, you creep. Yeah. And no then, wonder she chose him. Yeah. And in the stage show, he he like sobs. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's a case of direction or whatever yeah. in this one, because they recorded this all pre to film. So this is, this is the thing. It's obviously we know he's there. So my biggest gripe with this is, you know... Raoul and Christine kiss. It doesn't look like a passionate kiss, but they kiss. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So we know the phantom's there. Why can we not get a reaction shot of a sobbing phantom? Yeah. Do you want to, want to know a fun fact? Sure. Poor little Emmy Rossum had to ice her lips oh. in between takes of this because Patrick Wilson? Yeah. They did this take over and over and over again to get it perfect. It doesn't even look like a nice kiss at this point. No. But probably because they've done it too many times. But... She literally had to ice her lips in between takes because her lips were getting really swollen from him, like, kissing her. Patrick Wilson does not know how to kiss. Oh, so this is the thing, right? I don't think... I feel like... Right. So, so he so, was 30. As a 30-year-old, well, I would be I was very say, he's, anxious he's actually he's, he's 10 years older than Emily Rossum. Yeah. So, actually, you wouldn't be kissing her like ten, a normal ten, person, so, yeah, would so, you? So, he's probably being more cautious, but, like, again... Yeah. If he is that actual age. Mm-hmm. The men in this, this are creeps. All of the men in this are creeps. Her childhood friend. He would have been a teenager. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. I kind of assume they're supposed to be closer in age. Yeah, no, I know. But obviously, like, the <laughs> actor is not. Yeah, we get all I ask of you, a priest. The phantom is broken. Mm-hmm. The, he's the epitome of a nice guy. Look what I did for you. And we get sobbing phantom. There's more snot in his nose than Grizabella's <laughs> in 2019. Yep. And this has basically led to the, the, the rise of the Andrew Lloyd Webber mm-hmm. snotimatic universe. I can't wait to see all the uh, snot in the gritty Joseph 2022 reboot <laughs> as the David Attenborough father figure cries. Yeah. Or Richard Attenborough. I can't remember which Attenborough it is in that one, but yes. And we get the line, You will all curse the day you did not do all that the Phantom asked of you. I love that line. And he's but standing this, on the angel. Oh, this, but this was not as well done. No, and obviously not. It's, it's far more like angry. It doesn't feel broken. It doesn't feel heartfelt. It's just like, mm-hmm. I'm shouting because I'm angry. And it, it's not as an effective like way to do it. And, you know, that's where we stopped for Act 1. Yeah. You know, we don't have, like, the, the or whole ballyhoo that we have in the stage show. So we then, you know, we have a flash forward. It's jarring. Again, it sucks you out of this. However, understand, I feel like this, if, if we're going to have flash forwards, minimise them. We shouldn't have had the previous flash forward. We should have had this one, mm-hmm. which I'm all for, because we then go back... This is, you know, the end of Act 1. We have Act 2. Flash forward. Start, you know, you can, you can imagine the book ending on a stage of starting with the old Raoul again. I know it doesn't happen, but you could at least imagine it. Mm-hmm. And then flashing back to a few months later with Masquerade. This flash forward feels better served here. However, because we've already had one of them, it's like, again, really? <sighs> yeah. And yeah, finally... After two high school musical films, we get good fireworks. I know, right? <laughs> Do you know why? Practical effects. Yeah. The actual opera house is yeah. a miniature. The graveyard is all miniatures when we get there in a bit. Like, they actually did quite a good job of thinking about how this was going to look and work. And it's because they used the same set builders for the film as they did for the actual stage show. That is very cool. Yeah. And I think that is incredibly important in things like this yeah i'd agree with you wholeheartedly um yeah so you know we were saying about how old she is yeah so the gravestone christine's gravestone in this film says her 
birth date is 1854 mm-hmm. and that she died oh that the so the main story is 1870, which means that Christine is 16. In the, oh. the character is 16. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. I know, right? <laughs> it's not nice. Not okay with this. No. Masquerade as a sequence looks very pretty. Yeah. You know, I would say visually this scene is done well. However, I don't think it's as fun as the previous version that we've seen. I just think it's missing something. We have a few interesting costume choices. You know, there is a guy in the background that looks like he is dressed like the Phantom. Mm -hmm. They're pretty much all in black and white. Yeah. Which at this point feels very mocking. We know that the Phantom of the Opera exists. Yeah. So it feels like we're mocking him. We also have, you know, a guy popping and locking and in the background, He's we see. He's voguing, okay. yeah. But in the background, we see Batman. Also known as Mr. Mistopheles. No, no, no. There's a Batman. Is it not the same guy? And there's a Mr. Mistopheles. We see them in a shot in a second. And I, you know, I, I joked about it at the time, but I wonder if that is Joel Schumacher just like doing a kind of reference, like, yes, I did a Batman film. Mm-hmm. This is this is my, my <laughs> sequel, you know. Yeah. So Batman the... Triumphant, I think he was going to do. Like, we get Batman and we do get a, a Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah, the costume designer is Alexandra Byrne. I think the costumes of this film are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. This scene is just a bad choice. Yeah. In the lyrics of the show, they say, they name colours that yes. are seen in this at this ball. So they say there's mauve, puce, green, and they do say black, but they're naming all of the colours and, like, gold and all these things yeah. that people are wearing. And this is, like, and the thing a really is, weird party. The only person who actually is dressed in any colour is Christine with, like, her pink dress. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't look as nice if you'd had, like... This, Even that is not as nice as Yeah, if you'd was. had, like, almost, like, this peacock rainbow of colours. Like, that would have been so exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been three months since Gibbs' death. This is a New Year's party. Like, they're talking yes. it's early January, yeah? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, because be... they changed the lyrics so that instead of saying um, to a brand new year and our new chandelier, it's yeah. to a brand new year and to friends that are here. So it's yeah. a new year celebration. Yeah, this is this is a should be a really colourful event. Mm-hmm. And like I want, you know, I wonder if the Phantom was all ready to do this in his black and white garb, and he's like, "Well, I'm not going to stand out anymore." Because they're all in black and white. So he was going to make his entrance like half an hour earlier, but he had to rush back down to the opera house and find something else. Yeah. We learned that the Phantom is a fan of Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. Well, Raoul and Christine are secretly engaged, and he says, well, what are you afraid of? Duh. This is driving me insane by this point in the movie. Stop talking your lines. Yes. Sing the songs. Yes. Because they rhyme. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And it sounds weird. There's some really weird sweeping camera shots. Like, the cinematography is great, but through this one, it kind of makes you feel tipsy, which maybe is part of what you wanted Mm. for this. And we get the the alternate party, which is everybody upstairs at the upstairs party, and then all the staff are having their own Titanic-style party. What I like is the fact we've got, like, masquerade... Not many painted faces on display. Yeah, masquerade. Because there's a, where where are the where are the painted faces that this song refers to? They are all in masks. Mm-hmm. That is an issue for me. And then here we get da dun, 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 dun. Yes, and he appears as the mask of the Red Death. Yes, Red Phantom shows up. It's great. This costume is not as nice as the stage one, but I will take it. Yeah, and like a year ago, mm-hmm. you know, Phantom responsible. 
you know, as we're easing lockdown, he knows that we've got to take it easy. And he he keeps, like I said last year, he social keeps distance. the social distancing as he hurls Don Juan triumphant to the floor. We learn it's been three months. He's yes. He locked himself away for three months and wrote a musical yep. for him. And like Gollum, he steals Christine's ring. Yeah, he like yanks it from around her neck. Do you know how much it would hurt to have somebody do that to your neck? Maybe the phantom... Phantom's a ghost of the opera. He's the opera ghost. Like, he can do things silently. Yeah. And while like... this is all happening, Raoul has, like, dipped out of the party, run all the way around the back of the theatre, yeah. coming back down the stairs. Yeah, he gives chase. Yeah, so the Phantom blows up. Well, he sets off another smoke bomb. Yeah. With fire, and he opens a pit in the floor, and he jumps down into it, and Raoul jumps down after him. And we are treated to a scene from the book. Okay, now here's my my question. Why would the Phantom, who is tortured by his looks, build a hall of mirrors? Specifically because he knew that Raoul was going to try and chase him. Like, there's no other reason. It has to be because he thought someone would chase him down here. Has he drawn the red hall of mirrors line on the floor for him to follow to Possibly. get Possibly. <laughs> but, like, it must have been really difficult. He must have had to learn that the escape route for this. Yeah. So he must have been like, ah, mirrors, my enemy. Is this just like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Is he becoming stronger by like standing and staring at himself in the mirror going, (sighs) I don't know actually because there's a lot of scenes, not in this version, but in the stage show and the, the version we watched before where the Phantom actually is really into what he looks like with the wig and the mask and he wears, he dresses very, very well. Oh, yeah. And all his suits are, like, perfectly tailored, which I love. But, so he kind of is feeling himself, you know? Yeah. And Like I was the other day with my, like, denim coat and yes. sunglasses. Sometimes you just wear an outfit where you're like, excellent, this is this is how I meant to is look. Is this and his Red Death fan, Phantom look or is this his just typical I'm just talking look. about his typical yeah. look. Because he's really into it. And we have shots in the stage musical as well as in this one where we see... He's got great hands. Phantoms always have really nice hands. Handtoms. Yeah, and he like pushes his hair back and like we get a sweeping shot of him like fixing his hair and stuff. Yeah, and it's yeah, because just... we get a shot where it's very clear that his hair is a wig. Like we yeah. see it move, but it never actually is removed like a wig. It is at the end. Not the same way kind we of. expect it to be though. Not as the same as Yeah, it's weird. And, and obviously like he makes his escape. Mm-hmm. And then we get Madame Jury's tail. If this was Cats, it would be a very different tale. Hmm. <laughs> And yes, we see the travelling circus. That's the most of a laugh you're getting for that joke. <laughs> Listeners, if you laughed at that joke, Elena, if you're live tweeting, if you laughed at that joke, please do let me know so I can tell Drew to stick it where the sun don't shine. <laughs> yes, we see the travelling circus. Madame Jury was training to be a ballet uh, dancer, ballet teacher. and everyone, she was, Yeah, she was ev- in the court of ballet. Everyone goes to laugh at the devil's child, except baby Jury, who seems really traumatised by it. And then yeah. the Phantom kills his captor. With you know, a noose. With a noose. With great origin of his murder weapon. Yeah, why not? And... Madame Jury... Helps him escape. Helps him escape. And somebody comes in and is like, thief! Yes, who looks like Javert. Yeah. It is Javert. So this is also happening at the same time Super as Les Miserables. When was the French Revolution? Uh, I don't know. 14? 1914? 1814? You can cut this. <laughs> well, like, just say some yeah. numbers. So, yeah, she hid him from a cruel world. Yeah, she sort of just stuffs him into the basement. And she says to everyone she views him as a genius composer 
and magician. Yeah. <laughs> His smoke bombs are magic. And he is magical Mr. Families. So in this scene, young Madame Giry is between, I would say, 14 and 16. She's Christine's age. Yeah. And the Phantom's like eight. I didn't think she was that old. I thought she was like 12. She looks younger. I think the actress looks about 14. Yeah, but I think she's younger. Okay. So. Well, okay, that's fine. So say she's 12. The Phantom is then eight. Do you think then the Phantom sees Christine as how he saw Madame Giry? And like he was in love with Madame Giry. Probably. But obviously Madame Giry has to have had like a lover or a husband. Or is Meg, is Meg Phantom's child? No. And like, he's now like, Madame Giry is aged out of the Phantom's like, you know, like age range. And he's like, well, Christine reminds me of a young Madame Giry. Or is he just like, well, I could never have Madame Giry. She's taken a lover. She has a husband at home. But this young ingenue, Christine, reminds me of that girl. I'm checking Phantompedia, which is my cool. favourite website. But whilst you do that, one of my favourite lines happens here where we say, clearly genius has turned to madness. And I'm thinking, well, yes, that's, that sums up this plot very nicely because genius has, in fact, turned to madness because the Phantom is mad. Mm-hmm. I still maintain my, my head cannon is now Meg is the Phantom's daughter. Yeah, it's And that's why she takes the mantle at the end. It's like in a superhero movie where like we've you know, like in, you know, the end of Endgame where Captain America gives Sam the shield. Look, if she is the Phantom's daughter, then it's just really weird that in Love Never Dies she's in love with him. Yeah, it's daddy love. He's even older. Yeah, but it, it's like she knows that's her father and she's she's in love with him. Yeah. Because it's like, I love you, Dad. And well, yeah. we can't all be Christine. No, we can't all be Christine. So anyway, we go again. We get another flash forward. We go from Paris to Richmond Park in a really pointless flash forward. And yeah, Christine goes to escape. We get a really awful like choice here, I think, because the cart driver, she presents him the coinage, the francs. Mm-hmm. And we just get a really weird shot. She dashes off with this guy just looking at the coins for like five to ten seconds. And you're just like, that's a weird shot to like, hang on. Yeah. And the Phantom shows up, hijacks the cab and drives Christine away. And we get the cinematography here. It was very gothic horror as like he's driving them towards the graveyard. Like yeah. He, this feels like Sleepy Hollow, you know? Mm. Yeah, I can see that. And we get the nice, like, ethereal singing of Phantom of the Opera. Not like... This song is just called Journey to the Cemetery. And yeah, it's, I didn't it's count a, it as an official yeah. song. It's like it's ambient noise, but it's nice, like, you know, mm-hmm. ethereal. And, yeah, we get Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again. Yeah, this the, is a weird mix of the miniature graveyard yeah. and... Right, the CGI for this is awful. Yeah, and Emmy Rossum on an actual set with... No fake snow because she doesn't leave footprints. You can actually see the green screen. And like the miniature is beautifully built, but mm-hmm. it's very jarring. You're watching thinking, huh, she's not actually there. And it's noticeable. Yeah. And, you know, there's no excuse for it when you have Lord of the Rings being done in 2001, 2 and 3. Famously using miniatures and never having is, shots like this. Lord of the Rings worked with a film company. 
And Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, this yeah, is my movie. but there's just no excuse for it, is there? No. It's like you look at the Scorpion King in The Mummy Returns and the CGI. But you look at the CGI of that and you think, hold on a second. Absolutely shocking. Jurassic Park came at least eight years before you. Yeah, how but Spielberg, s- like, sold his soul to the devil for that film. Yeah, but, like, how are we allowing such awful CGI when there are other films that have used CGI to, you know, some really good effects in the 2000s already? The difference is merging practical effects with CGI is infinitely better Yeah, d- than but- just doing a practical effect and trying to yeah. put your person on it. It doesn't work. What I've noticed with this film, the sound levels are all over the shop. We had to turn up and down so much. Mm-hmm. And this was a song, even when we had it at like 35 on volume, which is the highest our TV's ever gone, I couldn't actually hear what she was saying. Mm-hmm. And then we immediately get really loud again. I'm like, oh, we've got to turn it down, back down to 25. Like, the sound levels are awful. Yeah. And you shouldn't have that for a musical. The, and this song, Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again, is always quiet. In the stage show, it's quiet. It's also kind of dull. Yeah, it's super dull. But she sings quietly and then it builds because she's feeling all of these emotions at once and trying to figure out how she feels about the Phantom and also being like, you lied to me, Dad. You didn't send me an angel of music. This guy is abusing me. In the stage, it at least feels that she's kind of like, is she talking to the Phantom or is she talking to her dad? She's supposed to be talking to her dad. But, you know, you could take it either way. In this one, it's very clear, like, she's talking to her dad. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no romance in her mind towards the Phantom. Mm. So, yeah, we then get Wandering Child and he's just singing to the tune of Angel of Music. Yeah, I am your angel of music, yeah. come to me, angel And he's music. pretending to be her dad, yeah. which is really creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so creepy. <laughs> he's basically, at this point, just like, it works, it works. <laughs> yep. Cowboy Carlisle shows up like a real buccaneer. Yep. <laughs> and we get action because it's a film. Because we have to have action. This is way less fun, though. I want the Phantom I... to shoot fireballs oh, down. I love that when the Phantom. Where like, am I? Was he, was he flying in that as well? Like, is he like levitating? No, he stood up on the top of okay. the. Mausoleum. I couldn't remember it. Like, if he, I remembered the fireballs, yeah. which were awesome. But he, he uses his magic staff to I... shoot fireballs. Right. I think I blended it with Cursed Child and remembered the levitation because Cursed Child has a very similar sequence. Yeah, but how is that not cooler than this sword fight? Yeah, especially because like the phantom is on the back end for most of it. it's basically killed you know like Raoul wins decisively and like that should be the end of it and I get that Raoul's whole thing is like you said yourself he's only a man yeah the that's phantom fine stops I understand being scary here because there's you no could literally need... just get in a fight with him and, win. and li- yeah literally Raoul all you need to do is bait him out again toss him to the floor and snap his neck which he Jesus. could, this <laughs> version, he could. We've seen Raoul beat him once. Yeah, he this is it. Again. There's no like. All you need to do is get him not on his own turf. Yeah, and you'd be fine. This is it. This isn't a phantom that feels like you can't beat him. Mm-hmm. Like you understand in the stage show why they have to go to the the like the, you know use Christina's bait and get all the police officers in. Because they stand no chance. Even outside of his domain, he's powerful with his fire magic. Mm-hmm. Like, he's clearly, clearly invested time into his arcane magic thread in this RPG. <laughs> yeah. And but if you think about the time setting, it's if scary. you get to a graveyard and there's this dude dressed all in black stood on top of a mausoleum shooting fireballs at yeah. you, you're going to just get out of there. It, it's scary. I, you would feel why Raoul and Christine, like, 
I don't know how we're going to do this. Yeah. But here, Raoul has just tackled him, held a sword at his, like, you know... And Christine's like, no, don't no. kill him. And Raoul's like, well, we're just going to do it when we get back to the theatre anyway. Yeah. It's just so stupid. It's so stupid. So stupid. So, yes. I wonder who said to Andrew Lloyd Webber, hey, we need a fight scene. The coolest thing about this is the fact that there's some detailing on the phantom sword that looks like a skull. Mm-hmm. That's the coolest thing about yeah. this. Really that nicely They've taken sword. a really nice, fun sequence and just... I had a great yearning to have a sword collection and we have a nice space on our wall that I'm looking at where we could have some swords and I want Orchrist and a whole bunch of swords. I wouldn't mind this phantom sword. And this phantom sword. It's cool. This is it. The phantom needed to win this fight and it needed to be that Christine is like, please don't, please, please don't. Yeah, and we see the phantom's humanity come through where he's like anything for Christine. Yeah. You know? That's what we needed from this sequence. And instead we get the phantom basically being, oh, he's a mortal. Okay, we can kill him. If yeah, it bleeds, I guess we, we can just kill stab it. him yeah. then. You know, it's so stupid. So yeah, we go, we have all been blind. We're going to play his games. We're going to have a fake crowd with police to arrest him. And we get like a nice like police chorus as they come in. This is where my favourite bit of Raoul being a bad boyfriend is. Yes. He sings... The, he sings prima donna again basically this time aimed, like two lines this time aimed at his girlfriend he's like you are yeah. being a prima donna and he sings Christine Christine don't think that I don't care but every hope and every prayer rests with you now and she sat there she's just said if he gets me he will never let me leave you will never see me again he'll either kill me and himself or you yeah and Raoul's like don't think that I don't care about that but we're going to kill him. Yeah. And she's just like, I We got so far into the whole like Raoul kind of storyline without him gaslighting her and just being a bad boyfriend. I'm like, yeah, he dismisses her thoughts in the Phantom of the Opera. But at that point, he hasn't seen proof. Yeah, like, he hasn't even seen it. It could have been, it could have been an awful accident that led to Lieutenant Gibbs hanging himself. Yeah, and like, he's far enough removed from the situation that he could just be like, this just seems like a lot of accidents. This is a lot of you problems. Yeah. But like, here, here, he knows this, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's and like, no, no, you might die, but it's fine. We'll try. Yeah. What he really wants is he's actually in love with the Phantom too. He's 100%. seen those eyes and he is hypnotised. Mm-hmm. The reason he didn't kill the Phantom, he's like, oh, he's a handsome man. Handsome but it wasn't. Man. It was nothing to do with Christine. So he's like, no, I, I, want, I want the Phantom to kill you so that me and him can live happily together. <laughs> the singing was very quiet here too. More of the sound levels being weird. And yeah, some of Christine's notes. This is the only time i felt like emily russell wasn't equipped really to play christine the notes were iffy here but you could argue that's mostly because of the fear yeah she's scared she's crying which i'm cool with we get don her boyfriend just gaslit her you know and it's the phantoms quote unquote masterpiece yes this is what we talked about last time trashy we're missing the rehearsal scene here yeah because they've taken that out for time incredible (laughs) yeah so that we can get some of these awful flash forwards in and sword fights but so we we have them singing the Don Juan triumphant. Yeah, we go straight into the show. Show. We'll just establish that there were no rehearsals for this. And this is the bit of music he was playing to wake her up as yeah. well earlier on in the stage show. It's not nice, no. but it's to the same tune as when he sings the public the little prying Pandora. Yeah, the public really don't like the vibe of yeah. this. They're, this is a, a thing that I'm okay with them adding, is the audience reactions yeah. to the show. They're all kind of like, this is weird. I can see, having now watched Jesus Christ Superstar, this sequence, like the lighting and everything, feels like very much, you know, 
a Jesus Christ superstar sequence. Mm -hmm. Obviously with more operatic tones, but this is, you know, quite interesting, I'd say. And yeah, the lyrics and the dialogue, it's very clear they're not the Phantom's strong point. You know, he doesn't know how to write good lyrics. No, he's a good composer. Yeah, a good composer, but not, not very good at telling a story. I'm I mean, Andrew Lloyd... I'm laughing in Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew Lloyd Webber, great composer. I, I, I don't think we can dispute that. He is a great composer, but I don't know... There's a reason why he works with a lyricist. Yeah, but do you know what? I admire that. I think mm-hmm. it's very awesome. And I think that, you know, the Phantom hasn't recognised that. He thinks he's everything. Andrew Lloyd Webber knows his weaknesses, and he knows he's only as good as the lyricist he works with. Yeah. You know, and I think... That... <laughs> Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so yes, we get the old switcheroo, switcheroo. Yeah, and this is another one of them revealing too early that the Phantom's here. Mm. Because, again, in the stage show, we don't find out that Pianji is dead because Pianji goes off stage as Don Juan and then when Don Juan comes back on, it's yeah. just a person we in should a cave. Have, yeah, we shouldn't have seen that. We really shouldn't We have didn't seen need that. to see the Phantom grabbing him and have Pianji be like, because it's supposed to then he then reveals we pull the curtain back at the end of this scene and Pianji is hanged and it's you're like oh god like of course he's killed this is it like at this point everyone kind of right so everyone just goes with it even though the phantom is noticeably slimmer a lot so and everyone's just like this is this is good and Christine knows only Christine knows something's up and again in the stage show Pianji and the Phantom, both to be Don Juan, wear mm. this big oversized cape where it hangs like a veil over yeah. your face and it's big and it yeah. billows. So even though it is noticeable, the difference between the size of Pianji and the size of the Phantom, you could still sort of suspend your disbelief a bit and think, okay, maybe people don't notice. Yeah. But well, in we, this one, you're like, no. <laughs> well, Jiri knows. Madame Jiri knows. She can look at it and she knows. Yeah, and Raoul has like a suspicion. Well, that's only because Christine is signaling to him for help. Like she's giving so, him the secret side. She's like, look, read my mind, Raoul, read my mind. He's just like, Humpty Dumpty Dum, this is a great song. Humpty Dumpty Dum. And yes. Yeah, we get the point of Suddenly, no oh no, scandalous. Her shoulders are revealed. Alas. Right. He's touching her corset. Really weird shot though, because from the way it was, it literally, suddenly she now looks like she's naked on stage you know like you, oh because of where the screen because of, of the screen yeah. cut is is like has the phantom just stripped her on stage no she's got like a billowing shirt on and he just pushes yeah. it down off of her the shoulders. phantom is looking at her lustfully like he's written words that he wants to hear her say to him so he's like i've waited forever to hear you say these words to me my angel of music and raul has tears in his eyes bless him it's not that bad yeah, I question that too because, like, obviously I love Phantom, but not the Phantom. I love the show. Yeah. But Raoul at this point is supposed to have just realised that the Phantom will always have this power over Christine. Yeah. You know? And the graveyard scene plays into that, but it's here that he's like, has to be like, if I didn't intervene, she would just go with him. Yeah. And... So he's crying here because that's what they're trying to convey, except it's not very well done. So at this point, are we really supposed to believe that this is the moment when Christine, like at the end, culmination of this is when she realises, oh, hey, this isn't Pianji. Is that what they were going for? No. No, good. Okay, because I thought she suddenly felt like something had changed. No, so it's she looks up at Raoul and sees that Raoul is crying 
and then she realizes that she's not doing her job very okay, well, that's and she turns around and reveals the phantom. Yes, and then everybody freaks out, and everyone screams, and then the chandelier falls down, and everything's on Adobe Fire. Yeah, and this is really <laughs> weird because the fire that is inside the theater is actual fire. Yeah, they set fire to the miniature. On the outside, it's literally and then on like the outside, it's like Adobe puffs of Erin, yeah. And Meg says, I'll go with you, as everyone chases the mm. phantom, and everyone's like, well, why? Meg is supposed to be dressed as a boy here. Yeah. And it just, just doesn't happen. Say, She's actually in her phantom costume. Yeah, it's so weird. And everyone's just like, why? Why would you come? We get down once more. There's a weird note when, when they sing Hell. Yeah. Uh, you know. Hell. And and this time we don't get the horse. Notably, we are lacking in horse at this point. I don't believe the horse was ever there. I think it was in her head. Yeah, Christine, why Phantom? Dude, you're just not her type. She's just not that into you. She's not that into you. And yeah, typical Raoul falls through a trapdoor and nearly drowns. Yeah, this is another one that's from the stage. <laughs> from the Not from the stage, from the book. But the way that he falls always really reminds me of Labyrinth. Yeah. Where it's like the actor knows that the trapdoor is there. And they have to make it look like they don't, but yeah. there's only one safe way well, it's to like fall sleeping, down a trapdoor. Isn't it? It's like how do you act sleeping and, and wake up? It never looks convincing. I feel like the best way to do it is to actually let you know sneak into an actor's like <laughs> room at night and then make them wake up and get like a real. You, you're never going to do it well, but we know what we're going for. I liked that as an addition. I have to say, I like seeing yeah. clumsy Raoul, but I also like the idea that the Phantom has laid traps, knowing that he would come after because mm-hmm. Raoul is so predictable. Yeah, I like this. Uh, well, so... But the, the problem is the swimming, the lens for the swimming is far too wide. Mm-hmm. So like the vision, it all looks distorted and it's just like... It's all green too. It pulls you out of the, Im- the investment that this is a real story yeah. because it's noticeably different and you're suddenly like, oh, hey, this is a film. If and... Raoul had gone straight for the door, he would have got out. I know. it's Raoul is stupid, but yeah, it's because he's, he's a vampire, idiot. so he's never really had to face his mortal like um, life. So there's another water-based scene coming up, but apparently Jared Butler and Patrick Wilson had just a nightmare time trying to film anything to do with water because yeah. it was cold. Oh, I can imagine. The whole peril scene is just stupid. Yeah. And I compared to the first time we saw the Phantom's face... This is... Yeah, compared, more... compared to the first time we saw the Phantom's face... There's no red here. It just literally looks... Yeah, the lighting on it changes a lot. Yeah, it doesn't... There's no consistency here. No. And I and wish it had just been the same prosthetic that they just put on instead of CGI'd it. Yeah. And they have... He is wearing a prosthetic here because he also has a piece of string yeah. attached to the bottom of his eye to pull his eyelid yeah. down. And apparently other members of the cast used to come and just pull on it to annoy him. <laughs> I kind of love that. Like, yeah, that's funny. But I think the problem is they should have just gone it just doesn't look like full it. on prosthetic because the CGI The one from the work. stage show is great. Yeah. This, you know, you could totally just not have the prosthetic on when he's got the mask. And then when the mask is ripped off, put off the prosthetic on, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work because it doesn't look consistent. It's like, it, I'll be honest. Um, in this moment here, he doesn't look disfigured. You know, you, you, you kind of feel like maybe it's more in the Phantom's head at yeah, this scene. He just has really bad body dysmorphia. Yes, <laughs> this is it. And it's like this poor man needs some mental health support. Or like some makeup. Yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's actually anything wrong with his face here in this scene. No, at the very worst in this scene, it looks like he has a birthmark. Yes. Like the girl in Ready Player One. Yeah. 
where they, they did not do a good job with that no, either. But it that. looked at that level, and that's that was made I mean, in modern day. The problem is, like, as a concept anyway, it's all so awful, isn't it? Like, our villain is, you know... The disabled character, yeah. Yeah, and it is awful. And there's no right way to kind of talk about this. And obviously I'm trying my hardest to be as, you know, appropriate as I can do. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to offend anyone. But I think you've obviously... This is what is established with the Phantom, mm-hmm. right? So we need to make it obvious, big, bold. It needs to stand out. Yeah. It needs to look enough that you can justify why he's hitting this mask. And it doesn't. No. Well, and the the whole point of the like the Phantom's morals all come from his line where he says like nobody ever showed any kindness to me, um, and he says the wickedness of my yeah. infern- infernal face, and that's obviously something that's been said to him, and yeah. he's repeating it. And while yes, in years gone past, mm-hmm. when if children were born with birthmarks on their faces it was said to be a mark of the devil so it is understandable that he would be called the devil's child yes in this era if you think about the difference between him and the hunchback of notre dame obviously both of those are stories where you take a disabled character and make them the villain and then we have some sort of redemption for them yeah it's still a bit like Obviously, we know nowadays that it's not appropriate to make a disabled character your villain. Yeah. Well, but this is it. Unfortunately, it's been a trend for storytelling yeah. for the longest time. And it's from the age-old belief that it's got something to do with you being having a sinful soul. Yeah, exactly. Or you know, you look at all the Bond films as well. Like even yeah. as far even up the modern as, ones. Even the modern ones, and it is a problem. And I know that I've seen that there are, you know. Um, charities working hard and there are laws being passed certainly in British film to say like you cannot do this anymore well just look at the witches yeah but you yeah again look at the witches from last year like Mm -hmm. things need to change and I I think the phantom is a story that maybe will have to change a little bit going forward or at least make him more sympathetic in a way that this film adaptation did absolutely not yeah so Raoul is glad he crashed the wedding because now they're back together Mm. typical men but yeah she make he makes christine dress up in the wedding dress yes. that was on his doll yeah yep as a typical man he of course ignored the woman's advice and is now in danger because you're supposed to keep your arm eye level yeah and he didn't do that and you know, he literally one job <laughs> choose him or me and this is as the phantom said point of no return mm-hmm. i love I, I said this last year but i love it again this is written so well of all three of them singing different things i can't hear what they're saying but it's yeah. such a beautiful melody putting them all together the line that they all sing together for either way you choose he has to win yeah which is nice and i mean christine kisses the phantom and dude raul is right there mm-hmm. she knows it'll work though like we've reached a point where she's like we reached a point of no return like this guy just needs a hug yeah it was a bad kiss and the phantom cries Mm. so maybe it wasn't Raoul that was the bad kisser maybe Mm -hmm. it's just Christine and he lets them both go and he says forget me and again we get another shot where where the continuity of his face is bad Mm. but it is what it is and she gives the ring back and then romantically her Swarovski ring And she then romantically swims away with Raoul on the boat, on their sailing away. And oh, on the pagoda, They're yeah. just singing together romantically going, Say you love 
me every waking moment. We love each other, Phantom. Bye. You didn't win. <laughs> We're still happy. Yeah. Like, it's so mocking. And it's yeah, so mean. the Phantom gets seven years bad luck because he smashes 14. the mirrors. He smashes two mirrors. Well, he smashes multiple mirrors. And I was going to ask, does it stack? Two. It stacks. No, it's three. Because he smashes two and then he smashes his secret mirror. Which is the, the one that gets him out, yeah. But this is it. That one's taking him a different way. This one isn't going to go via uh, Carlotta's dressing room. This is going to take him outside the fa- opera house, I uh, think. This one takes him to the chapel, but no, which the, then gets him outside. That's my point, though. He's got multiple routes, multiple mirrors. Why would you smash it? Up. If it takes you outside and it's a door, like he the wants, one in the thingy. He, he wants to be caught. I reckon behind the scenes he smashed all the mirrors with all these secret entrances. This is... Because... Right. Because he wants when these people come down, they're going to go, oh no, there's multiple entrances. Which one? I understand why the show ending doesn't work here. Yes. Because as much as it's, it would look cool, obviously the show ends, he sits on the chair and puts the cape over himself. It's and not then as, it's not when as amazing, you pull it yeah. away, the mask is left there. But it's Fantastic. not, it's, it doesn't, I don't think the spectacle of it works on film, in a film. Because you just assume you paused it and moved someone. Exactly. But right. here you're like, wow, how did they do that? What's the point in doing it? So he runs away. Yeah. And Meg shows up, mm-hmm. flanked by men, and she finds the mask. Yeah. Because he and has again, passed the mantle of Phantom I to I wish Meg. she'd just put her hat on. Yeah. Like, it really bugs me that everyone was like, no, you can't come, you're a woman. And then... The point is she dresses up as a boy, sneaks down here and manages to get in before everyone else because she knows where she's going. Yeah. And then when she takes her cap off, her hair all falls down and she holds the mask up to her face. It's just like... I really wish the ending was just her putting the mask against her face going, dun, 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 (laughs) blackout. So yeah, uh, the transition from the monkey back to old age Raoul was great. We're going to cap off with another flash forward. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Okay, again, fine. Fine way to end the film version. Well, so the, he goes to her grave to leave her flowers and on her gravestone, there's a black rose with the ring on well, he's it. All, but he's also left the monkey. So, like, he's he's leaving the phantom's monkey mm-hmm. for Christine. Why is she going to want this monkey? He says right at the beginning of the show, you are exactly the way she described you. She obviously remembered that. Thing fondly, but but of why? all the things, of all the memories from their their life together, only... let's remember that that one year that you you were pursued by this awful stalker who nearly killed me. It's her was her one comfort through that tragedy, though. What that one comfort that one morning she woke up and saw she's it. supposed to have been down there for a while. You know, like it, it doesn't really make sense though. Yeah, so he puts the monkey box down, and, and there is a rose with a black ribbon around it, which the is what the phantom, phantom always leaves. Phantom of and the opera is there inside the graveyard. Yeah, but it's got her ring on it mm-hmm. that she gave back to him. Which, when did he find out that she died? How recently did she die? Because she died old in. Is he exactly? <laughs> is he still <laughs> walking point, around with his like mask 60. and his grey hair? Well, no, so well, it says on older. her gravestone that she died in 1907 and this auction takes place in 1910. So when did he leave the ring? Yeah. Why wouldn't you leave the ring when she died? Yeah. Or has he only just found out? He's probably only just... He's tra- he still back lives from underneath. Co- he's travelled back from Coney Island, hasn't he, for yeah, it? probably. Well, he knows she died. He was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- this certainly doesn't work, does yeah, it? Yeah, because Meg like, shoots her. Yeah, th- this doesn't work with Love Never Dies as well. No. Um, it's an anticlimactic ending. Like, as nice yeah. as it is, it's just kind of like, 
But I'd rather they just end it like they do the stage show. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we get, like any musical movie, the awful Oscar Bates song. But it doesn't even sound like it's from Phantom of the Opera. No, we, we don't. I don't care for credit songs. No, no. I don't mind it like with Disney films where we get, you know, current pop star singing this song. Yeah. Fine. But when you add a whole new song on that just doesn't actually fit the world, mm. it's weird. What is your best song in this version of The Phantom of the Opera? Does it continue to be Note slash Prima Donna like you said earlier? Yeah. Yeah, for me it's Phantom and Note slash Prima Donna. Phantom is iconic and I loved it, but the the, the whole Sondheim-esque sequence with Notes and then mm-hmm. straight into Prima Donna, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's just great. And I think it's one of the best ones because it is one of the most, like, everyone's involved in it. So who did you say you wanted to play last time? Last time... I actually didn't have that note written down, so I can't remember off the top oh, of my did head. Did we not do that then? No, we, we've done it from, from, from episode one, but mm. I, I never prepared it. Or maybe we didn't at that point. Maybe it was something that came later on. I don't remember. Yeah. I, so in this movie version... I would still say The Phantom. Yeah. I'd have said The Phantom a year ago, and I'd say The Phantom now. I don't, I don't like Raoul as a character. I don't think there's much to him, mm. you know? I could kind of get on board with like Pianji as like a fun little, you know, comedic role. I remember you saying that last time. Um, But I could also get on board with like the new producers, the new owners. Because I could could do one of those. Like they would be fun. But the Phantom. Yeah. I I wouldn't mind being um, Buccaneer. Bouquet. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind being him. Mm Mm-hmm. Who would you... I mean, you've got more choice, funnily enough, with it. With For Phantom once. of the Opera. You, yeah. You've, I would say it's a fairly even split, though. Like, I've just known quite a few male characters, but you've got Meg, Madame Jury, Christine, Carlotta. I'm pretty sure I said Carlotta last time because she's just fun. Yeah. As much as I love her, I don't think it'd be fun to play her in this version. Yeah. So I'd probably go with Christine. Mm. I think the Phantom continues to be, like, a fun role. Mm-hmm. If more... Slightly predatory. Yeah, depends on how you play it, you know? Yeah, but I think the Phantom's, good, you know, a good role. Who is your MVP in this one? Because I really struggled. Uh, Emmy Rossum, she's 17. You kidding? Like, she's that is a child playing an adult woman's role. I did write down the set designers because I think this film is oh, yeah, beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. And obviously the miniatures and everything built are fantastic. But I think, I, I think it's very difficult when we're talking about a musical where there are some real issues with the singing throughout yeah you know as much as i think gerard butler does a fantastic job as the phantom can i say he's the mvp when the singing is not great yeah not consistent Mm -hmm. and can i say you know mini driver is my mvp when actually she did half the job i would say emily rossum probably of the actors definitely does best and like you say she actually came up with this creative idea that hey dress me up i didn't know that so yeah. clearly she's thought about things behind the scenes as well and you know she's 16 17 when filming this so in terms of the actors emily rossum is my mvp mm-hmm. so before we give my star rating emmy. we're going did i say emily mm-hmm. okay well emmy rossum yeah i apologize <laughs> 81% of people on Instagram said that, yes, they are a phantom of the opera. 19% said no. I wonder how many of those people voted thinking I just meant phantom of the opera in general. I did specify the film version, but 
I'm going to assume 81% said we like the film version. It's one of our better received polls on Instagram, so the power of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. On Twitter, though, much more de- divisive. <laughs> yeah. 33% of people said no, love clearly dies. 28% of people said yes, love the 2004 Phantom. Mm. 39% of people said it's all right, not special, so in the middle, which I think is interesting. I think it's it's not... I don't think it's awful. Yeah. I don't think it's great. I think it's just somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I had a whole weird time trying to vote. Because I always vote on these because you're the one that makes them. Yeah. So I always put in my two cents. Yes. But it wasn't until after we'd watched it. And having watched it, I was like, I love this. (laughs) This is great. Why don't we watch this more often? But obviously talking about it, I have a lot of problems with yeah. it. But I could put this movie on over and over again. Yeah. It's a and comfort be movie, fine. ironically. Yeah. So we've got a few uh, a few bits of feedback before we, we give my official like star rating. Mm-hmm. So Miss Acampo writes, that's MS, Miss Acampo writes. Yep. 2004 Phantom is what I call my high school first love musical. It's one of the first musicals as a teenager that I got emotionally invested in. As an adult, though, you look back and ask yourself, what was I thinking? Phantom as a whole is one that feels different through adult eyes. I think I joked that one sign you're growing up is when you realise how toxic the Phantom actually is. Mm -hmm. Even with all his talent and and, and that Raul was the right guy all along and Daroga should have been a major character. I'm not sure who Daroga is. He's a character from the book. Okay, cool. That's why I didn't recognise the name. Yeah. Weird. I think he does show up. But not in like a... Yeah, he's not important, you know? Yep. Forgot about the whole gaslighting thing during the All I Ask Have You Seen, but I have to give Christine all the kudos for facing the Phantom and giving him mercy, which I do think is a nice story writing point. Mm-hmm. At years underscore beers. Personally cannot stand the stage show at all, though I admit the songs are good. Sin it three times. I do think the movie is good, but not special, mainly because I think it tells a better story than the stage show and is visually great. Yeah. I think you can see more of the story here. The characters don't get the build, but more of the story. And I do think the back and forth, back and forth, whilst it frustrates me, it's interesting narrative techniques. Yeah, I get that. At Drunk Theory, I've never actually seen any version of The Phantom of the Opera. Please don't hate me. We don't hate you, Drunk Theory. But mm-hmm. I wonder why. I'd love to know why you've not actually seen The Phantom of the Opera. Is it just haven't got round to it? Are you just not interested? And then The Diva at Musical Hell, who we love. We yeah. absolutely adore. I get the first time slash nostalgia factor, but it's a huge miss for me. One of the main reasons Musical Hell started was so I could rant about it for 20 minutes. So that's fab. even if you hate this film, the silver lining is this film exists so that Musical Hell exists. And mm. I would take that yeah. in a heartbeat. And I'm sure Musical Hell's video on this movie is fantastic. And I'm sure that I've probably referenced things that she says in that yes. video. And it's, if you've never seen it, go, go to watch YouTube, it. check out. It's, <laughs> we it's love amazing. the diva. And of course, uh, an episode will not be complete without the thoughts of at Miss underscore Elena. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a list of my thoughts before I even listen to the episode one. They cast it all wrong. They just did, period. Mm-hmm. Two, they cast someone who isn't even classically trained. And if she is, it's definitely not evident as Christine. But she's a child and it's not her fault. Yeah. Sorry, Elena. <laughs> Love you, but she's a child. I think producers do have a lot to answer for, things like that. Three, the sets and costumes are gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Four, why did they cast Gerard Butler? I mean, 
for real. He's a sexy man. Five. I love the opening transition into the opera's heyday. Same. I agree. I, I watched it before I went to my first Broadway show, which was Phantom. Oh. You know, so... Oh, well, that's a good way to see how much better the stage show is yeah, than I suppose. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, not one that Elena is as fond of, but I think from talking to her, she's a fan of the Phantom. So, mm-hmm. one that I think disappoints. And I do think that's spot on. I think as an introduction to the Phantom of the Opera, maybe this doesn't show off its best bits. Yeah, absolutely. And as a fan of the Phantom, it certainly doesn't show off its best bits. <laughs> but there's something fun about it because you like the story. So, this is kind of like mm-hmm. fun. I gave it three stars. Cool. It's I gave Phantom a year ago four stars. I do think it misses a lot of magic. Mm-hmm. And I think musically, this one is weaker. But I had a fun time watching it, you know, yeah. like I, I enjoyed this one. It's not, it's not necessarily something I think I could watch again and again and again and again. I don't think it would have that same kind mm. of like comfort for me. I feel like getting a DVD of the Royal Albert Hall Pro Shop would probably be more serviceable. But it is still long. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun one. Yeah. What are we looking at next week for Bank Holiday Mon- Musical Monday? So next week we are going back in time a little bit, but we are going to have our first official Angela Lansbury. We are. Because Mary Poppins Returns cameo doesn't count. No. We are going to be bobbing along with bedknobs and broomsticks. This is one I know that Jared has been waiting for for a long time. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think, you know, it's going to be a bank holiday musical Monday, as I said, for us over here. And this feels like the sort of bank holiday fair that I've been missing out on in my life. And I'm very, very, very excited to finally see Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Mm -hmm. So that will be next week. Yeah. So I'm very excited. You can obviously uh, tune in next week and see how I get along with this one. This looks very much like a lot of what worked with Mary Poppins, Uh but with a completely different license, you know, that blend of animation and live action. So I'm kind of expecting... Mary Poppins is like illegitimate stepchild sister you know like you know like it's the same but different and I'm hoping it might add more to the formula than Mary Poppins Returns did which I liked but Mary Poppins Mm. Returns is basically the same film but just you know a new coat of paint so we'll see let us know your thoughts on Bedknobs and Broomsticks as always we are very excited uh, to have any communication with you you can tweet us, you can DM us, or you can uh, message us over on Instagram at It's A Musical Pod, or you can email us on It's A Musical Pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us, as always, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app under the podcast section, on Stitcher, and on Podbean. Make sure you are subscribed because we do have some very special bonus episodes coming your way recorded and they will be coming your way so make sure you are subscribed when they are notified and of course when we decide to go watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks you'll be notified when that episode goes live and if you are feeling generous why not leave us a five star review yes indeed would make our day Mm -hmm. and share us with your friends and family tell them how great It's a Musical podcast is and help us continue to grow yeah Happy Phantom Week, everyone. Yes, indeed. And uh, we'll be back next year with the Phantom of the Paradise. (laughs) I'm excited to see what we've got planned for next year's Phantom Week. But uh, as always, you can find us next week, same bat place, same bat channel. Mm -hmm. Have a magical musical Monday.